What did Paul Schrader think of The Matrix? Hang on. I remember him posting about it. He either didn't like it or was weirdly horny about it. He was probably it. really horny about it, but I remember him posting something about Trinity and, like... So he was weirdly horny about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but, like, he, he was saying something about, like... Because a lot of his Facebook posts, like, are weird. Really? But he posted something about Trinity and recognizing that like how it was like a trans narrative i was watching the matrix today and i through trinity i recognized that it was a trans narrative and also i want trinity to come over to my house and step on my throat (laughs) (laughs) hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the waffle press retrospective great start great we're just jump, we're jumping into it we're, we're here to talk about the matrix i'm your host are you not going to answer this paul Schrader question that you just fucking threw out there? i can't find any information on it anymore i know i didn't <laughs> dream right. this okay. i don't dream about paul schrader I mean, i'm worried about running into paul don't. schrader god damn that would be that would be yeah bad. And there's a fucking movie. Oh, no. <laughs> a, a Paul Schrader movie about a guy who can't stop thinking about Paul Schrader. <laughs> what if Paul Schrader was Morpheus? Oh, God, I would fucking... I would take that fucking red pill. If, I don't if you wake up, follow that if guy. you wake up, yeah, you, you leave... The, and you immediately uh, just take the pill to go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah, was, that's the that's the blue one. I fucked it up already. Nah, whatever. I've already I've, I've fucked up my credentials for talking about. Yeah, I'm your host, Dave Crespo. That's my co-host, Matt Garingo. It's the Matrix. You know what it is. You know why we're doing this. It's Matrix Resurrection type. Um, y'all ready for this? Hit the music. <laughs> uh, buckle up your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye bye. Going bye bye. Uh, Joey Pants. <laughs> you know, oh. like, look, this is one of those movies. It's like The Dark Knight. It's like when we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing in commentary form, which you can find down the link down below. It's one of the most classic films in modern cinematic history. You know The Matrix rules. We're not here to tell you, like, it rules or whether or not you should watch it. You have seen it or you're going to see it in your lifetime. That's just the way it is. Um, I thought you were going to say that it was uh, like The Dark Knight because it is also about how 9-11 was an inside n- job. Whoa. <laughs> no. No, I, I, that is not the ball I'm going to throw out No, this no. Instead. Although I will find a way to bring up 9-11. We could, we could definitely talk about it with the sequels, I think. No, we're talking about fucking now, Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, the Matrix is one of the best movies you'll ever see in your life, also. Yeah. And if you disagree, just stop. At everything. Kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, go away now. I'm going to keep looking at the Paul Schrader thing, because I want to go back to that. All right. But, All right. But, we have to go back to the Paul Schrader Facebook. <laughs> talk about the the matrix resurrections hype apart from just that that's why we're doing this yes we're, we're all very excited it's the best movie trailer that you could see right now for one thing yeah <laughs> the mean, trailer is so I good don't... it got me to go back to an official film website i haven't done that <laughs> since i was like in middle school yeah can you think of the last time you did that before matrix no like 
can you think like wow <laughs> i went to check out the website because now it's just you go watch the trailers on youtube or something you know there's yeah. like a bunch of middle I, mean, I didn't even do that i didn't even go to the official star wars page when force awakens was getting hot. yeah think about that you know? like that's just how how shit's changed it's also worth noting that uh, we are bona fide Wachowski sisters fans uh, from oh, yeah. our retrospective on Speed Racer, which is a masterpiece. Yes. Um, and in the discussion of that film, Matt, you brought up a good point that like they should have really marketed that film the same way they did The Matrix, where you you kind of have to like promise the audience you're gonna see shit that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And listening to a relatively new podcast with uh, uh, Twitter mutual pals, Liam O'Donnell, Vice, Vic- Vice Victus, and uh, and Mike Mike in the Apocalypse, as his Twitter handle is right now, um, where they talk about action movies, Liam O'Donnell brought up that he showed his son Speed Racer for the first time recently because he's you know he's he's getting older, he's super into cars. And his son was still wowed by the imagery mm-hmm. on display in that film. And, like, he was holding, like, a race car and then, like, dropped it because he was so, like, into the movie. <laughs> and I gotta be honest, to revisiting The Matrix, I had that same reaction to The Matrix. <laughs> where I was just so wowed. Where, like, every ten seconds, there was just, like, wow. Not only is that an interesting shot... But you're conveying everything you need to know exactly for the story they're telling. <laughs> Constantly. Yes. And it is also some of the coolest shit you'll ever see in your life. Oh, yeah. I'll say, I did not have that reaction this time watching The Matrix. But, like, a few years ago, I bought the Steelbook Blu-ray. And when I sat down to watch that, I kind of, that I had that exact reaction. <laughs> Where I was like, holy shit. Like, it was one of those things where, like, I love The Matrix, and then even in my love of The Matrix, I realized I'd been undervaluing that movie. Yeah, ab- um, absolutely. It's just, it's just one of those, like, holy fucking shit. And that was one of those ones where, like, I, like, called up my brother. I'm like, have you seen The Matrix? And then he was like, no. And then I drove to his house <laughs> and showed him The Matrix. Well, because it, it, it's just the fucking best. And, you know, I yeah. got to be honest, this is also one of those films that... Like the Dark Knight, kind of gets co-opted, unfortunately, and especially this film, uh, given <laughs> the last five to ten years of political conflicts in this country. Um, and I had kind of just like shut it out for a little bit, just because I I, I didn't like all the the online hubbub about it. Like, yeah, we know the Matrix mm-hmm. fucking rules. We don't need to talk about it all the time. Well, I'm here to tell you I was wrong. We do need to talk about this all the time. <laughs> We do need to talk about this all the fucking time, and it there's it's there's more st- I get more stuff out of it every time it seems like. Although I gotta say I think I might have hit my peak because there was a time a few years ago where I was kind of watching it fairly regularly, and now I just kind of know the whole fucking movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely but, a movie like I I don't know by heart yet. I'm sure I'll get to that point eventually, but because of like that like uh, that I couldn't shut out the internet. I couldn't shut out the Matrix. <laughs> That yeah. I had that huge gap where I just wasn't into it at a certain point. Like, I recognized mm. that it was always, like, the greatest, but I just wasn't interested in revisiting it constantly. Now yeah. I am again. So I will get to no, that point that the... you have now, 
eventually. Uh-huh. But right now, I'm uh- totally, I'm just like bathing in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I might have had the opposite where, like, once this thing started getting like, kind of co-opted by, like, the worst corners of the internet, like, it made me, like, kind of want to go back to it and just be like, first I wanted to see, like, is this movie really, like, that sloppy where it could be co-opted in such a way? Which the answer is no. Spoilers. <laughs> and then it just made me want to be like, no, these people are, mo-, like, I had to kind of reaffirm that these people were idiots. Yeah, like, we will talk a and... lot about, like, whether or not films are, like, really that, like, politically, like, aggressive, like... I think Thor Ragnarok, out of all the Marvel stuff, that is the one that seems to be, like, people are, like, rallying behind is, like, oh, this is, like, an anti-imperialist narrative. And, like, it's definitely about those things. I don't know if the whole film is about those things, but it's on the film's mind for extended sequences. And that's definitely worth commending. And then you watch something like The Matrix where it's just, like, oh, yeah, the world we live in is, like fundamentally a broken society meant to like confine people from their own identities <laughs> yeah also workers it's... are drones and our our life force is batteries to fascist regimes <laughs> man fucking peak 90 i man. know it's so fucking awesome and i also just it's love so... like the look of everything like it's also like decrepit you know and gross and like everything's kind of damp and moldy and the fight like not just the fights being visceral but like the locations are just like it's constantly raining it looks like fucking seven (laughs) at times this this also it makes retro tech look like the coolest fucking shit you've ever oh yeah absolutely like i i I made the big mistake. I've been like going through kind of a binge of like getting back into like analog TVs and shit like that, mm-hmm. and like buying all the equipment. It was a big mistake to rewatch the Matrix and all of that because now I'm like, like my next cell phone is just gonna be that cell phone they mailed me. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> I fuck smartphones. Like oh, that's what I'm having from now on. Like I'm just I'm gonna turn into the worst person. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just gonna have hard drives hidden in books. Like. Um, that's, 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 not that's that what my room's gonna look like. <laughs> not not that uh, this is gonna be an anti-technology podcast, but like, uh, I, I've been thinking about that recently. Where I'm like, hey, we used to like be able to touch stuff on our phones that weren't touchscreen, and yeah. I'm I'm not like I like the touchscreen stuff, but like other people have different needs or different like preferences, and like, yeah, why can't you just like tap buttons on your phone anymore that's weird that's not what the matrix is about either so this isn't like any there is no context for this conversation it's just something i've been thinking about (laughs) did you see the steve jobs movie yeah it's bad uh with fastbender yeah Yeah, it's like it's like a super villain origin story except it's like portrayed as positive yeah exactly (laughs) like that's it's that's one of the weirdest movies i've ever seen i know Uh, you know you know what would make it a good movie though in my opinion, it not being uh, written by Aaron Sorkin. No, you it, you 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 take Aaron Sorkin's script, right? Mm-hmm. But the ending scene is that se- that final confrontation between Waz and Jobs. Okay, <laughs> like that's the climax of your movie. <laughs> okay, because I think I think that's because then it has that stupid scene where the guy who would not have shown up to that event, what's his name, Scully. Like, who is a notorious reckless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and was like, you built a bicycle for the mine, Steve Jobs. And it's like, no, he didn't. Like, <laughs> it's not what the computer ended up being. It's like, he he found a way 
to fucking hack capitalism, basically. <laughs> it's the same thing with fucking Bill Gates, where it's like, Bill Gates didn't... Bill, Bill Gates. Bill Gates did not cause a computer revolution. He stopped a computer revolution from happening, <laughs> is what happened. And it's very frustrating. And then you, you watch stuff where it's like, yes, it's slightly harder to maybe learn certain older things. And like, yes, it's a little weird when you have these giant mechanical cell phones. But you also, if you are a hobbyist, you can fuck with it. Whereas now, if one thing goes wrong on your smartphone, it fucks the whole phone. Yeah. You know? And that's the world. And it's a weird form of control. And I think it says something that, like, you have to use landlines to get in and out of the Matrix in this movie. And, like, we don't have phone booths anymore. You know? That's something that just doesn't exist. Which was a question uh, leading into Matrix Resurrections where it was like, how are they going to deal? Oh, well, now we've seen the trailer, so we know how now. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll fucking explore all that when we talk about that fourth film eventually. But. Yeah. God, that's really exciting. Nuts, Sorry. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, it says a lot that, like, you have to use the landlines to get out. But if you, and if you use a cell phone, it can be traced, you mm-hmm. know? Like, which is exactly the world we live in right yeah. now. Like, that is not, like, a joke. Like, that's, it's, none of the privacy laws that apply to phone calls on landlines apply to cell phones. So, hey. Yep. <laughs> What's that about, man? But uh, it is it is kind of like I get why some people might be angry where it's like if you sit down and watch The Matrix, which went from in popular opinion, went from being the coolest shit ever to being the lamest shit ever. And then if you watch it now, you're like, motherfucker, they were yeah. right. Like, <laughs> that's got to suck for some people. Yeah, it's but uh. let's let's talk about our origin with the film. Cause this isn't a film. I, I think we have to break down because you all know, you all just know it's the shit. And if you don't think it's the yeah. shit, don't fucking talk. But to I me. am going to talk about basically every scene. Of the oh movie. yeah. Cause it all rocks. But like <laughs> how, how old were you when you first saw them? Or you don't have to give your age, but like, where were you um, when you first saw the matrix? Well, here's the thing. This movie's 99. Right? Yeah. Um, so my origin story with the matrix is also my father's origin story with the matrix. Okay. <laughs> Um, where he saw it in theaters, showed up 15 minutes late, didn't understand any of it, <laughs> walked out of the movie and said that sucked. Aww. That was his... But uh, shortly after, um, he finally decided to bite the bullet and buy a DVD player. Um, a few... Whatever number of months after. And I don't understand... This is my dad who is... I don't understand his decision-making, but somehow it comes around to being right. <laughs> uh, so he's like, well, I gotta, I gotta get, I don't own any DVDs. <laughs> so I have to get something that I can test this DVD player with. And the two movies he got were Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me <laughs> and the matrix. And so the first DVD I ever watched was the matrix. And when he watched it at home, he suddenly got it. And was like, oh, wait, this movie's great. <laughs> All right, that's something. And it was, it's a weird thing where, like, in my memory, he was kind of realizing it was awesome as he was watching it. So, like, he invited me in to watch scenes out of order in the movie. Because it was also, like, scene selection. He had never had scene selection before in a movie. Oh, right. So, be like, 
let's watch the scene where Morpheus and Neo fight. And then we watch it. And let's watch the fucking when they attack the building. And then it's like, let's watch this. And so, like, I didn't really see the movie in order for the longest time. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a and funny so, like, idea. I know. Well, it's like, so, you know, after a while, I'm like, hey, what's this movie where people just kick each other and shoot guns even about? <laughs> and then my dad's like, fuck if I know. And... <laughs> Eventually, I would watch it, and I'd be like, oh. And it's that weird thing where, like, you could talk all you want about, like, this being, like, a super heady concept and studios being like, we don't understand it. Like, seven-year-old Matt totally got it. And it wasn't because seven-year-old Matt was, like, smart, mm-hmm. you know? It's just that this movie conveys its ideas perfectly. <laughs> and it immediately just... And so, like, it holds a very special place, Mark, because, I mean, to, you know... The jump from DVD to Blu-ray, it's noticeable, but, like, not that noticeable, you know? The jump from VHS to DVD was massive. Yeah. So, for Matrix to be my first DVD, it was kind of like, not only was the movie mind-blowing, but, like, the idea of watching a DVD was mind-blowing. Oh, yeah, well, my first DVD was Monsters Incorporated. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. Another film about recognizing the system is flawed. Although yeah, the, hey. the result is, is um, quite different there. So just invent a better system. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Which in some ways feels like the antithesis to the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, very different. Um, but hey, at least they made people laugh instead of scared them. That's what the problem was. Yep. <laughs> Not that you're breaking into children's bedrooms. <laughs> That's what a weird. I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. <laughs> uh, um, what? Uh, a, hey, what a unfortunately, film. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. is a perfect screen. Oh, oh, Monsters Inc. is fantastic. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, this is not um, Monsters Inc. Slander. That yes. that is one of the better Pixar films, in my it's opinion. It's more just like we should re-examine the Pixar thing a little. Yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all it is. Uh, unlike the Matrix, which is actually perfect in every capacity now what if monsters inc pivoted like the matrix sequels did oh monsters inc 3 but it's about like dismantling (laughs) monsters inc yeah it turns out there's other layers of monsters there you go this is actually the seventh recreation of monsters (laughs) no we'll we'll get there we'll get there water noose comes back it'd be great (laughs) gotta fight him sully has to scare a million water nooses oh my introduction to the matrix was one of the barbecue marathons my dad and I would have. We would rent uh, DVDs from a local video store in Montebello, California. Um, And this is how I also saw the Terminator trilogy, the original trilogy. We rented all three of them, barbecued all day, watched them all back to back. I did the same thing with The Matrix. I won't give my thoughts away on the sequels. Um, So you did them all three at once? Yeah. That's interesting. It was a lot. And I'll get into why that may or may not have been the best or worst way to watch all the original films. It's just interesting. It was very you know? interesting. It's, it's, um, I still got that window. I got to be hyped for the sequel. Yeah, I never got that. So. so maybe that's why I'm also so excited to see the fourth one. I'm finally on the <laughs> hype train. You know, I remember seeing the trailers Matrix, for the sequels. Matrix Reloaded is the first R-rated movie I saw in That's fucking great. Yeah, and uh, my dad was like, yeah, it's the Matrix. There's nothing, you know, it's just going to be violent. <laughs> fucking massive group orgy scene in it. <laughs> so, 
I've seen, uh, hey. well, we'll talk about it, but like, I've seen people be like, you know, it's not a real orgy. It's really just people. And like, dude, like it's, there's a bunch of people having sex. Okay. Like yeah. whatever. And even then it's cutting to two people having sex in the middle of it. So yeah, like, come on, it's, it's not the takeaway from the movie you should be having. Yeah. I can't, but that's, that's one of those decisions. That's one of those questionable decisions. That's just my dad being out of touch with nineties culture. Mm-hmm. Like, he clearly didn't understand they're supposed to be in, like, fetish clubs in, like, the opening of this movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is fine for a seven-year-old. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just movies. Uh, hey, all movies know, have I that. I didn't pick up on it either, but I was seven. All, all <laughs> so. movies have that, if you just look closely. Yeah. Uh, so it's great stuff. This movie's, movie's great. Um... Also, and it was just inescapable as a pop culture thing for the longest time. And now it is again. Um, actually, no, I don't know if that's true. Just his culture. It hasn't. Away from I, I would argue it really hasn't kind of come back around. Like as in terms of like a dominant pop culture thing. Yeah, I, I don't really um, know either, frankly. Um, like no one's doing uh, funny parodies of it anymore. <laughs> uh, you didn't like Space Jam 2? Oh God, I forgot. That. I haven't seen it. I just remember. Ma- oh, I just remember that clip God. making the rounds, and everyone was like, "What is this? What am I looking oh at?" <laughs> so. God. Oh Christ! <laughs> Christ Almighty! Hey, Granny. Oh, I, I remember the clip perfectly. It's just. <laughs> I know it's, it like it is, below. Those like epic movies, state movies. Really, like that is a bold fucking statement, my friend. Of, of the, like the way those are shot, it looks exactly like that. They just put them on a fucking green screen, and just had them like be like, "Hey, Granny, like, ugh. good lord." For because like for a second I was like, "Yeah, but Space Jam came out before uh, Matrix," and then it like hit me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Who is like, oh fuck, I'm back in Nam like, <laughs> for like half a second. <laughs> oh Christ. Um, yeah, that was pretty I was like, it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, wait, we're doing this. <laughs> like, that is like the worst moment of that movie. The most the rest of Space Jam a new legacy is mostly just boring. Aww. And then my, my HBO Max crashed in the middle of it. And I was like, I don't ever need to finish this. I gotta be honest. I, I'm not watching that movie anytime soon. Or anytime in the foreseeable future. I saw how they were incorporating the Roadrunner stuff with the Mad Max Fury Road bit. That's like the only good I one. I was like, that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's the only kind of good one. Um and clearly lifted directly from uh, the Nostalgia Critics review no. of Mad no! Max Fury Road. Directly compares uh, Mad Max Fury Road to the Road Runner. Never mind, it's the worst film ever made now. Look up his... No, his I, I recall. It, it is one of... It is, like... Wow. <laughs> like, look, I, I give incredibly bad takes on this podcast. But that's because I'm just winging it. Like, <laughs> I watch the movie the night before, I take some notes, and then I just show up, and I'm trying to get a rise out of Diego most of the time. Ostensibly, the Nostalgia Critic is like our produced series. <laughs> and that's the conclusion he came yep. to. Yep. Has he done the Matrix series? I don't know, but I'm never interested in finding out. I, 
there's no way he's not like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you try to deconstruct the hero's journey? That's what he would talk like. <laughs> no, he would not. He would not know how to say those words <laughs> in a row. <laughs> You're probably right. He would make the monsters in comparison, but like not joking. Oh, oh. Um, he said uh, everyone agrees that Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is the best Mad Max movie. <laughs> we need to move on, or I'm gonna have a stroke. Hey, you know what? I, you know what? Thunderdome's a good. I movie. don't dislike Thunderdome, but, but like to say that, Thunderdome. Like, like I don't know. No, he's insane. He's insane. But uh, Thunderdome like still kind of has a bad reputation. I watched it recently. And it's like that movie kind of rules. Yeah, no, it's not a bad like, movie. It's just like you know, it's not not as good. Yeah, it's it's two movies shoved together. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's whatever. But, it's, it's fucking Peter Pan with Mad Max. But, but bust the deal, face the wheel. That shit rules. <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. Like, that's the best shit ever. We gotta do Mad Max at some point. We do. I mean, only just to talk about, like, that fight in Thunderdome is insane. <laughs> like, that is, like, so fucking good. <laughs> and maybe arguably kind of a forerunner for this kind of action. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's on like bungee cables in that, so like there's like an in-world explanation. Yeah, yeah, but, but like George Miller might have been like one of our greatest filmmakers this whole time, and we just haven't really been paying attention until Fury yeah. Road. Well, see, because to be fair, before Fury Road, like his last three movies were two Happy Feet films and the insane Babe sequel. Okay, yeah, that's true. Like, that's where he it was like, I guess he's just going to make these type of movies for the rest of his life. And he fucking comes out with the greatest action yeah. film of the century. <laughs> yeah, he literally killed everyone with his movie. Yeah. Like, that, it's one of those movies where you watch it and then you're like, oh shit, Iron Man sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the first big wake up call where you're like, oh no, we're, we're putting up with dog shit. I mean, it's kind of like not to use language but it's it's like the red pill of movies wow like you you watch it and then you're like i can't watch movies the same ever again after this wow like i suddenly see how everyone is fucking fucking everything up um yeah that's kind of true <laughs> Am I no wrong? no you're not wrong <laughs> uh yeah george miller's fucking great we gotta talk about Babe Pig in the City one of these yeah, days. Oh, God, yeah. Which has dialogue straight out of a fucking Cormac McCarthy novel in Wait, it. Wait, really? <laughs> well, like, not literally, but, like, people say things that feel like Cormac McCarthy would have written. Call it. Heads or tails. <laughs> like, what? No, it's just, like, it's long monologues about how fucking the world is evil and hopeless. And then Babe's like, I don't know, I think things will work out. <laughs> and the dog's like, the men who've had their way with me, which is an actual line in Bathing in the City. I hate movies. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That movie's brilliant. I mean, I, I'm going to have to rewatch uh, it. I'm going to have to rewatch it. I will say, it's like, uh, we'll talk about like deconstructing sequels in the future, but I think George Miller might have the best version of like the fuck you deconstruction sequel. Which is, like, he makes the movie that is, like, a perfect kind of encapsulation of what he's going for. And then the sequel, the sequel like, the first movie is about finding your place in the world. It's like a hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. And the sequel is like, all right, you found your place in the world. Now you have to live in the fucking real world asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and it, there is, sequels are about 
you know what your purpose is, and the world doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Babe 2 is about. That's what Happy Feet 2 is wow. about. I mean, that's also kind of like Spider-Man 2. A li- yeah. Which totally. is also why that is one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, why we haven't made a better superhero film in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, hey. And why people are so keen on reminding everyone of how good that is. Like, look, we're here to talk about The Matrix, but it's worth noting that with all the new Spider-Man trailers that have come out and Spider-Man No Way Home, which will be out by the time this episode is out, when those trailers first dropped, it wasn't that, oh, man, I'm excited for another Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. Who we all generally like is Spider-Man, by the way. Yeah. I am a Tom Holland fan. But the moment Alfred Molina showed up, everyone was like, they weren't saying, oh, man, I love the multiverse. They were saying, man, how fucking awesome was Spider-Man 2? <laughs> I know. It it was the biggest, like, it was like body surfing a wave. Like, it, it was like elation, and then bam, I just hit the fucking, like, it was like, fuck. Because I was, like, so happy to see him. And then I'm like, this movie's going to fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, look, and there's nothing wrong. I'm, I'm going to plug someone else here that I, I haven't really plugged before, and I, I should have because... They're a very talented writer and uh, film critic, in my opinion. Uh, Dom Griffin on YouTube just had... A, I just saw it this morning because the, the embargo just dropped. Had a, a fantastic review of No Way Home where he said, like, look, you, you know what you're going to get here. And if you enjoy that, there's nothing wrong with that. You like ice... Who doesn't like ice cream? Who doesn't like pizza? That's fine. But you can't, like, live off of that. And if that's all they're offering in the theaters, Wait, that's not... <laughs> healthy <laughs> you know it's fine to enjoy I have, things i have been eating a shit ton of pizza i've been eating like be dog shit this weekend i've been i've been just eating out of a fucking garbage <laughs> yeah. can i feel like a raccoon like you know yeah i'm like out of my fucking mind and i found out that hey uh when you're depressed it fucks with your serotonin which fucks with your appetite mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might explain some things and you know sometimes you want to be blissful in your ignorance it's easier to accept things that are than to believe in things that might be which brings us back to the matrix and the character of cypher played by joey pants and we'll talk about everyone else in a second but how fucking great is joey pants yes yes the the steak is great joey pants is great but i gotta say there is something about pizza in particular i just want to go back to oh i love anytime i'm eating Anytime I'm eating pizza, it's a race to see how much pizza I can eat before I realize I'm eating pizza. No, no. You just need to have better pizza. No, no, no. There's a moment (laughs) where you realize you're eating pizza. (laughs) And then you're like, I regret eating pizza. Uh, Apologies, Mom, if you listen to this episode. But there was one time in high school... Where my friends and I, we hadn't eaten all day. We we had kind of blocked out this entire weekend just to sit around a friend's empty house, smoke a bunch of weed, and order a bunch of pizza. Mm. Within three hours of the third pizza and the second box of chicken nuggets, I spent the entire weekend just in pain from overeating. Oh my god! So I knew ex- yeah. like I knew exactly what you were describing. <laughs> That entire weekend, I was just, like, writhing in pain from overeating, mm. and it was uh, it was awful. <laughs> the only time I've had, like, genuinely good – like, like you're right about there being good pizza you can eat, which uh, there's not a lot of great pizza around <laughs> me, but there's pizza that gets the job done. 
So, uh, I was in Chicago and I never had deep dish pizza. And I'm not even joking. They like, they, they brought it out. It was really, it was a really small pizza compared to most. Right. And the slices weren't big. I ate like one slice and I'm like, I can't eat any more pizza. <laughs> like the whole arc of my pizza journey was that one slice. <laughs> Cause it was so strong. <laughs> It was the best pizza I've ever eaten, but I you couldn't eat more than one slice of it. <laughs> I kind of get that. Uh, Whittier people, if you know Joe Peeps, isn't that place the fucking best? <laughs> it's really good. I kind of want to order it now. See, that's where we would meet Agent Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Peeps. <laughs> Just shoving a pizza. You know what I say? You shove a giant slice of pizza in your mouth. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Wouldn't have been nearly as poetic. No, and this place is about the size of a hallway, so... <laughs> yeah. You're trying to have a discreet conversation. Yeah. I'm sorry, could you, could you raise your voice, please? Murder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Joey Pants. He's great. He should be in more things. It was, uh, yeah, uh, coming over from their movie, their first film, Bound. Yeah! Um... Which the other insane thing about this is like a blockbuster is they basically just brought everyone they were like behind the scenes they worked on Bound with over to this big budget blockbuster film, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, this is their second feature film. That yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Oh, you know what? Well, no, it like kind of a... does, but they don't make the Matrix. Now they make well now. Steel. Yeah, now they would be. Yeah, it would. Uh, it would suck. <laughs> it would be. It would be depressing. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is something to... There's, isn't there, like... There's conflicting stories, because I think... Joel Silver produced these, right? He's the one who produced them? Yeah. Um, he was like... They they brought this script in. No one in Hollywood understood it. Joel Silver's kind of like, I think there's something here, but you need to prove you can make a movie before I, you can make The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Wachowskis have said like that that's not true. <laughs> that they like were ready to they were ready to make Bound and then the Matrix just kind of naturally happened next. Mm-hmm. Cuz they'd also written a few movies and like they didn't like how they were kind of handled which is kind of what led to them being directors. And I think it was just like a weird kind of like natural progression of their careers. They've had like a falling out with Joe Silver, right? Uh, yeah, but... I think the last thing he produced for them was uh, Speed Racer. Yeah, which I'm guessing he was not happy with. And he's not on the new Matrix movie. Yeah, he doesn't produce anymore. Okay. Oh, yeah, didn't he kind of like... They kind of preempted his retirement a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we might have brought it up before. Yeah. Some not great stuff, but... um. Yeah. Yes, preemptive retirement is the politically correct way of talking about his yeah. career. Also, he was really downplaying uh, the rumors of uh, transition um, around the time of Speed Racer. Mm. Do you remember that? No. Do you remember, like, he was in the press being, because, like, stories were kind of breaking about, like, is this happening? And, like, he was kind of giving interviews being like, no, no, you know, everything's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, nothing's happening. And would be like it still says whatever on the on the call sheet, so it's just it's a weird Hollywood rumor. And then of course they fucking just disappeared for a long time, and then long time in terms of Hollywood. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like and then and 
then it's like Cloud Atlas, right? Yes, Cloud Atlas, where I, I believe it was uh, uh, Lana Wachowski who had come out by then. Yes. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember who was first. Um, but I also remember that was one because they, like, don't really do interviews. Um, you can find them, but, like, they didn't do a ton. They did a shit ton of press for Cloud Atlas. Yeah, because they... The... They financed it themselves, and they really believed they mortgaged their house and shit to get that movie made. And, like, they went on, like, the Nerdist podcast, which <laughs> is, like, just weird to think that about. Is, were, were they on there with uh, Tom Tykwer? Because he, he was the I, third director. I believe so. I think he was in, like, uh, he did most of it with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was, like, a thing where, because I, I, not to, like, do a Cloud Atlas review, mini review, but I saw Cloud Atlas kind of impromptu where it was, like, I saw, remember that five-minute trailer dropped for Cloud Atlas? Mm, I don't remember the trailer specifically, but I remember, like, it being a weird promotional run. It was a weird, but I remember, uh, it was one of those things where, like, you know, like, a YouTube ad would play and you would, like, skip it immediately? Yeah, of course. And the five-minute trailer for Cloud Atlas started playing, and I was ready to skip it, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like, I'm seeing this fucking movie. I'm like, I don't know why anyone's not talking about it. And I saw it, and it was, like, one of those, like, me and three other people in the theater opening weekend. And I came out of it, and I'm like, that was the fucking best movie of the year. <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit. And so I, like, went deep on, because I, I was really grateful they did so many interviews, because I just listened to every interview they did in that time and that's what kind of led me to being like I should rewatch the Matrix movies <laughs> so that kind of ties back into like the re cause like I'd always liked the Matrix movies but like I hadn't revisited them in a long time and they kind of felt like they were old hat at the time you mm -hmm. know and then like seeing Cloud Atlas was kind of like I always, I always talk about I think certain directors this might be weird cause the, the Matrix is so blunt in its messaging but I always say a director will make a movie that I call, like, their Rosetta Stone movie. And that's the movie that, like, basically explains all their other movies. Yeah, yeah. And I, Cloud Atlas was that for me with the Wachowskis. Um, so, and like I said, I, it, it, it probably was just, like, the right time for me. Maybe The Matrix just should have been that. Mm -hmm. But the Cloud Atlas was the one that really kind of awoken all, like, the, a lot of the themes of the matrix a little more clear for me yeah I, I get that every every director tends to have that unless they're like brett ratner or someone yeah <laughs> and you know even or then Zach it's snyder. like you watched rush hour 2 and you're like oh yeah i get this guy unfortunately yeah Zack snyder hasn't had one though in my opinion really okay i i, I haven't had the fit uh, like army of the dead came very close army of the dead came very close and still didn't quite get there mm-hmm and I just, I need that one movie of his that when I watch it, it will explain all his other movies. Yeah, well, here, to, to dial back a little bit, yeah, the, the Wachowski sisters had also written stuff like Assassins, which did get made starring <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and my boy Antonio Banderas. Uh, I haven't seen it either. And yeah, you're right. A, a bunch of stuff like got stuck in development hell or they're like uh, being told to change this, change X, Y, Z, you know. They wrote some Hellraiser comics. Really? Which I got a fucking yeah. Holy fuck! Like, because I'm I'm yeah. uh, I know we've brought up Hellraiser before. I'm not like a, a Hellraiser diehard or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I will totally go in on that shit. Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I gotta gotta find that. Yeah, and um, um, but yeah, they just came right out the gate with Bound, and then really the Matrix. Like most people don't know about Bound. 
you know like it's not yeah, a popular I, film it's just like kind of for the I cinephiles i see bound until like a few years yeah, ago honestly it might be time. like five years ago for me maybe less yeah yeah, it, it was, was, and I don't know why, like, it was just kind of like, eh, I didn't see oh. it. I think what I thought it was was going to be, like, a weird indie art film, uh-huh. you know? Like, I thought it was going to be, like, an art, artsy sexual exploration film, and instead it's, like, a fucking erotic thriller. Yeah. Although, you want to know something <laughs> and, uh, really funny? Uh, in uh, one of my community college classes, uh, the professor had brought up Bound, and I'm still friends with this mm-hmm. professor, great guy. But, uh, and, and I was like, oh, the one directed by the Wachowski sisters. And he was like, who? And I thought like, oh, is, is it going to be like one of these fucking guys? Right. And he was, he just didn't know the directors at all. And I was like, the Matrix is like, oh, what, what movie's that? And I was just like, you know, Whoa. Bound, but you don't know the people that made it. That's crazy. Right. Like, usually it's like for the Wachowski diehards, they'll go back and watch Bound because bound is great but like mm-hmm. i don't know i just hadn't experienced that before i was like okay you know this one but nothing mm-hmm. else huh i had a similar kind of odd experience talking about matrix resurrections with someone um talking about how excited i was for it and this is someone who like not like a cinephile but is usually pretty in the know about movies and directors and we were talking about, uh, and I was like, yeah, man, that trailer looks great. And they're like, yeah, it does. And like, I'm looking forward to it. And then they just drop, and I guess their sister's directing it. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and, and then I explained, and they're like, oh, all right. Like, but I was like, oh, wow, some people really don't know yeah. these things. <laughs> Which is, it was, I was just like one of those were like, oh, is this conversation about to go in a direction? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's always a, a little, it, it's not a, it's not a great feeling to have. And th- thankfully, you know, most of the times, I think as, as we both find, like, people will generally be like accepting of, of that, you know? But like, other, yeah. other times, like, you know, like, unfortunately, on the, the sisters' older films, they are, they're, they're dead named, basically. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's still not changed. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd think it'd be an easy swap, <laughs> just just going to the to the file. Yeah. Just um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think like if I was the head of Warner Brothers, which I'm not for a lot of reasons. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd give them a call and just be like, "Hey, do you want us to change this?" <laughs> and if they said yes, I would change it. You know. Yeah. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but hey, because that is—it's not like changing, uh, you know. It's not like fundamentally changing the f- the film, you know. Yeah. Like, it's just—it's—it's it's not even George Lucas going back and putting Episode Four: A New Hope at the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it, it fundamentally nothing changes. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I hope someone's asked them and that maybe they just don't care. I assume they would, though. Mm-hmm. So, hey. Uh, and yeah, in your uh, in your comment, I've found that uh, people under the age of 40 seem to be pretty accepting. Oh, there you go. That's probably a better way of putting yeah. it. Um, and when I say accepting, it's we're, we're kind of back to where we were on, like, gay rights, like, a decade ago. <laughs> you know, where, like, there's the classic, like, Whatever you do in your own home, just keep it away from me, man, you know? 
Like, that seems to be uh, popular. But then, like, above 40, it's just straight up bigotry. <laughs> just, like, not even, like, bothering to hide it bigotry. Yeah, everyone over 40 is an agent. There you go. Yeah, basically. I mean, hey, if you're too old, you can't get removed from the Matrix. Ooh. You're too attached to it. That train's coming for all of us. Though. I know, I know. And you, That's the thing. You, you just hope that you can get unplugged to, to stay in the in the the metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Or you just hope that like you're smart enough to go. I don't understand this thing the kids are talking about, so I'm just gonna shut the fuck up and let the kids figure it out. <laughs> like that's like the you know the best you can kind of hope for. Because mm. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what kids are gonna be into? fucking 40 years from now that's gonna terrify an aged me <laughs> like you never know we got a generation raised raised on homestuck it's gonna cause something what what is that i've heard of it for like a decade and i, I don't know. what is home yeah i don't know what that is fuck if i know. okay <laughs> <laughs> um it's kind of a web comic what what did you be kind of a web comic because it's not really a web comic like it's 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 a mix of animation. It either is a webcomic or it isn't. There's no in between. It it it, it finds that medium. Uh, it's uh, kind of a choose your own adventure story, but not really, because all the choices were made like a decade ago. <laughs> what? And uh, <laughs> what? All right. Should I try to explain Homestuck? Is it even worth it? Sure, and then we can go back to the Matrix. Okay, the Matrix. yeah, we can finally get to the Matrix. Only forty-five minutes in. Um, Homestuck was this thing made by a guy on a website called MS Paint Adventures, right? And it was kind of a, a cross between a web comic and Flash animation, right? You remember Flash animation? I do, yeah. It doesn't really exist anymore. No, Flash players um, are no longer on the internet. I, I gotta say, yeah. um, it's a shame because great video essays used to be hosted on Flash players. So, yes. uh, fantastic film critic Matt Zoller Seitz, who had like a five article rundown of Michael Mann's filmography up to the year 2010, his videos no longer exist. They're only in essay format, yeah. which is a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, you can find some, uh, like, homebrew shit that you can download that can make some Flash animation still function. Okay, okay. Um, like, I think Newgrounds, the website Newgrounds, which used to exclusively host Flash animations, uh, has, like, developed their own thing you can download, um, which I have used. And, then, like, and if you want to read Homestuck the way it was intended, you have to, like, go through, like, a fan recreation of it. <laughs> um, oh, my God. <laughs> And it originally uh, was a thing. It was like a parody of Choose Your Own Adventure games is how it started, right? And he had made, this guy, uh, Andrew Hussey, had made like three versions of it that are like parodies of Choose Your Own Adventure games. And then his like fourth one is something called Homestuck, which is about a kid stuck at home. Uh, he downloads a video game with his friends that ends up accidentally causing the end of the world. That's, like, in the broad strokes, that's the plot. <laughs> but it is told in a way... I can't... I Like, I'm failing. I'm, like, flailing to describe this thing. <laughs> I know, but I want to keep going. Um, 
at some point these characters called trolls are introduced and every character gets a troll sona <laughs> and it leads to very interesting explorations of identity while also exploring the nature of canon and continuity as it relates to our reality <laughs> and our experience with the internet and fan-made content. Oh, and the original version of Homestuck for like the first few chapters, it was fan-driven. So like there was a forum and you could submit like what you wanted to happen next. And the author would pick whatever got the most votes to happen next. It's like the first, the plot of the first few chapters is entirely driven by that. And it's just nonsense. It's like flash animation Mad Libs. <laughs> I kind of want to get into this now. <laughs> just because it's so um, like, you know I, overwhelming. I, I will say I have never uh, gotten that deep into Homestuck. Okay. All right. uh, I just know of it. And I'm and as we are talking, I am trying yet again to get into home. It sounds like its own version of the Matrix, a whole other world it, separate to ours that can also define our very existence. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm trying to get into things that are very dense, and I found out if I basically read thirty pages of Homestuck a night, I will finish by next year. <laughs> And not the start of next year. I mean, December next oh. year. <laughs> All right. So it's like so, One Piece. Uh, it's American One which Piece. Which I'm also, I'm also trying to get into currently. There you go. <laughs> I've basically just, I'm trying to get into every dense thing right now. Um, because I feel like, I don't know what it is, Diego, but I feel like in the next few years, I'm going to need a lot of fucking distractions. <laughs> probably right yeah it's probably a good guess yeah yeah you know until the matrix revolution comes yes and we may get another trilogy but more on that later yeah for now let's talk about how this film was also pitched as initially as a trilogy and they broke up the story into three separate films is that true i don't know there might be some george lucas rewriting i never I never believe that. But that is definitely the narrative that's taken hold. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. I'm sorry, like, I, I, this is coming as a fan. <laughs> like, I just don't believe that. I believe maybe they had a lot of big ideas that did make it into the first film. But the first film is entirely a self-contained story. More so than even Star Wars. Like, Star Wars at least has Darth Vader surviving, you know? Is, is it like, here's the thing. When I first saw The Matrix, I thought, like, okay, the, the sequels would have, like, different iterations of The Matrix or something that they had to, like, get freed from. That's not mm-hmm. the story. Um, and we'll talk about whether or not that is fine or fine or not uh, to, to, to kind of hold off that discussion. But, like, that's the traditional route a sequel would take, right? To be completely yeah. isolated. But here's the thing, even knowing that I had part two and three to come after, like, my initial watch of this, I I don't know if it really is, like, a, a more standalone film than the original Star Wars. I think the original Star Wars is a pretty standalone film. This movie ends with Neo becoming a god and the screen saying system failure. Yeah, but, like, 
That's the end of the movie. It's it's a definitive. I don't know. My brain was already thinking like, well, they have to free everyone else now. You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, okay, so like thematically, speech. the ideas are like closed off. There's a closed off loop. Yeah. But I guess I I didn't really think of movies like that back then. So my initial okay. thought was always like, well, what comes next? All right. You know, like Back to the Future in a way. We we're like, oh, what comes next? And I I didn't see the part two and three until significantly later. <laughs> But <laughs> that's that's interesting. yeah. So I was like, wait, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree with 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 you on that at all. Actually, I, I I'm I'm just saying it's there's a pretty definitive. No, now I that. I uh, I definitely more along the lines with you, but, but certainly on my first watch, I was not like, wow, what yeah. a great experience. I wonder what those the directors are going to do next. And we'll get into it. <laughs> With the sequels, but, like, because the sequels are being reclaimed and because, like, everyone's, like, you know, there's a lot of discussion around... And people miss movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Um, but what has been completely abandoned is how there was a real effort to turn the Matrix into the next Star Wars, like, multimedia property with the sequels. Oh, boy, was there. At... And that's kind of been lost in the discussion, and I think it's really important that we talk about it, but we'll talk about that with the sequels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like when everyone talks about the arc of M. Night Shyamalan's career, and they just leave out that they made a documentary called The Buried Secrets of M. Night Shyamalan. Because <laughs> if you want to know why The Village was not positively received, mm. and you do not bring up The Buried Secrets of M. Night Shyamalan, uh, you're not doing your due diligence. Well, I apologize for not doing my diligence on M. Night Shyamalan. Have you seen, have you seen I still M. haven't seen it, no. If we ever do an M. Night series, we're watching I feel it. like I could watch it without doing all that. We, but we, we will see. We will see. Let, yeah, but I have to see you as a broken No! <laughs> Let's talk about, <laughs> speaking of broken people, Keanu Reeves. Who does not play a bro? I have no segue. I just want to talk about Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Remember when everyone was like, Keanu Reeves is a terrible actor? There you go. That I have that in my notes. Right. I'm like, we should give this man so much more credit. I know. he's he's. It's one of those things where like you hear about the people they wanted for Neo. Like They wanted Will Smith. Is, like, That's the the, again, story, okay, we, so we're totally on the same page with you. Just just keep going. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to point that yeah, out. Like they won't, and I think they also reached out to Johnny Depp at some point. I think it's the other thing. And... Both those guys were, like, in the pocket in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's... But it turns out it's probably peak both of them in terms of quality. Uh, they would have been terrible choices. Here's the thing. Like... I think Will Smith... I think we could still pull it off, and I think it still would have been a great story. I think it still would have been a great film. I think he would even come back for this part four. The bullet they dodged with Johnny Depp... The size of yeah, that bullet yeah. basically makes it an atomic weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's hysterical to me. Um, I, I do well, think Will Smith could have worked, honestly. It's so, I think, here's the thing. I don't think Will Smith would have worked. I'm so, like, I love Will Smith. I just, there's, there's one of those things where you watch this movie now, and it's just like, only Keanu could have played this character. Now, maybe I'd like to peek into the universe where Will Smith did it. See what it was like, but I don't think. But again, I think the movie's strong enough that 
whatever Will Smith brought to it that maybe wouldn't have totally gelled with things uh, wouldn't, like, fuck the movie up, you know? Yeah, like, look, okay, here, here's the thing. I think Will Smith still could have killed it in this movie. In all the films. Mm-hmm. This is totally Keanu's role. Th- yeah. This is the Keanu performance. You know what I was watching recently? Um, that terrible uh, remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Why? Um, it was just on. <laughs> you know, like, my dad's a science fiction guy, which is weird. I've already talked about how he didn't like The Matrix. <laughs> um, I'll just walk in on him watching, like, random science fiction movies. And including Prometheus, like, all the time. Hell yeah! And he doesn't like oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's stuff I don't like in that movie still. But he's like... I have never seen a guy more persistent trying to like a movie. Like, we talk, I talked about how he didn't like The Matrix in theaters, got it on DVD, and then realized it was great, mm-hmm. right? I've talked about that. He, We saw Prometheus in theaters together. Both kind of came out like, eh... He bought it on Blu-ray, and just every, like, few months, he's watching it. And he's like, this movie could have been fucking really good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's not going to get better just because you keep watching it. Like, it's not going to change. His whole thing is he thinks a lot of the stuff in the deleted scenes would have been better. That's his take on it. Interesting. Now, I'm not sure if I agree, but he says that, like, not even, uh, like, the complete, like, there's some scenes that they just completely reshot and changed the entire vibe of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says, like, I prefer that version over this version. And that's his take on it, where he's like, when are they going to do a director's cut? I'm like, there isn't a director's cut. Yeah, the one fucking Ridley Scott film that he won't go back and recut. So he's, like, so pissed about <laughs> so it. so funny still. And then, like, he despised Covenant, uh, so... Um, yeah. I was gonna welcome him so. to the, the alien truth arrive. <laughs> I know, it's well, it's a thing where I'm like, hey, he's dedicated... There's clearly something to that movie if, like, you can watch it that many times, you know? Yeah. I can't, because fuck that movie. <laughs> but, like, it speaks... It can speak to you on some level if, if you can hate it and still watch it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Prometheus is an intriguing standalone science fiction film with alien DNA in it. Alien Covenant is for the alien diehards, like me, who have no life and no friends. So, they're they're for no... No. <laughs> here's, the, here's, like, I, this is just the thing I kind of came out of... I, I'm sorry to re-litigate all this, but, like, when we did our alien retrospective, I just came out of it where it's like, I don't want any more alien films. Well, you might get your wish. And, I, so. and yeah. No, no, no. They're going to keep milking that shit. They're going to make somehow even worse films. No, but, they're making a TV show uh, now, didn't you hear? Yeah, it'll be no, terrible. No, yeah, t- like, it totally will be terrible. I'm with you there. Who gives a fuck? But what I'm saying is I don't want any more alien films, and I don't want any more alien ripoff films. And Prometheus and Covenant are somehow both of those <laughs> things. And I just, I'm like, fuck that. And, like, I even talked to you, I won't go into it on the podcast, but I've talked to you about, like, trying to, like, do the anti-alien film, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just found, like, you can't escape it, you know? 
like even trying to do like a, a deconstruction of an alien film just turns into an alien film and I'm just like fuck it like abandon all hope <laughs> like just go away and which to bring it back to the matrix you can try to do like a matrix adjacent film like tonally or like in its structure well, yeah, think about all plot. the weird like uh, fucking equilibrium and ship like shit like now, that. equilibrium right? is a straight up matrix ripoff though Whereas, like, yeah, before recording, yeah. we were talking about how, like, the Lego movie is, like, baby's first Matrix. But that's mm-hmm. also a good movie, you know? Yeah. Whereas Equilibrium, I'm, I'm sorry to everyone else who's who has posters of the Boondock Saints in their room. That is not a good movie. <laughs> um, you know, I've never finished Equilibrium. I always get yeah, bored. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like, it's not it's not Even good. with my boy Christian Bale. <laughs> but you got stuff like, you know, like the Aeon Flux movie, you know? Yeah, which I got a soft spot then, for. Not not amazing. Not not very good. And then you get, I mean, I think Paul W. Sanderson kind of owes a lot to the Matrix. I would completely you know? agree. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, hey, what if the Matrix was devoid of all talent no. and joy? <laughs> and then you get Resident Evil. No. <laughs> um, man, just that era of just, like, bullet time being the coolest shit on the planet mm-hmm. like you know it is funny yeah. you can kind of trace the trajectory of a hollywood action cinema for the last 20 years through the resident evil franchise i know yeah because you look at like the first resident evil it's the matrix action type sequences but with more monsters with with monsters because mm-hmm. only <laughs> in the matrix there are only references to monsters which is yeah. pretty great and um the, and then by the last the resident, resident evil movie with that paul ws anderson did it's Mad Max Fury Road, but not yeah. super well cut. <laughs> uh, the the Resident Evil films are like the evil doppelganger to the Fast and Furious films. How dare you! Like, which you can also track, like the arc of action. Kind of, yeah, huh? We're like now they're basically superheroes. Yeah, like you know they went to space in the goddamn last. Hell movie. yeah, they did. <laughs> um, yeah, they should stop working for the government. Yes, though. they should. Uh, uh, they should go back to stealing DVD players. They should steal from the government. No, they they should go back to stealing DVD players because physical media is coming back, baby. <laughs> sure. I would like that for the last one. <laughs> Gotta get some 8-track tape players. <laughs> Dom, we found this file on this, on this hard drive, but it can only, only be accessed by old physical media that's obsolete now. I know just the place. <laughs> and they gotta steal it from another truck. <laughs> I know everything about the Microsoft family of computers. <laughs> He's going to welcome Bill Gates to the family until he finds out he was on the Epstein flight logs. <laughs> hey, there's a film. There's you don't I do that to family. Up, <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. I think we did pitch the perfect direction for the Fast and Furious franchise that were so they, they should just all be holiday themed. Oh yeah, totally. Movies going forward, mm-hmm. like they gotta save Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> just driving Santa around the planet. You know, Santa was always there for my family. <laughs> and then it's Kurt Russell Santa, because why not? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you bring him back to the franchise. Mister yeah. Nobody was his human alias. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but then is Santa working for the government? Like, that's not No, he was using the government tracking facilities to deliver Christmas toys on time. It's like, how else do you think I keep the North Pole hidden? (laughs) You gotta make some deals with the devil, Dom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. 
anyway, the Matrix. Um, Keanu Reeves is fantastic. Keanu Reeves, and I, I was talking about the horrible, uh, uh, fucking Day the Earth Stood Still remake. Yes, directed by um, your boy, which was, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's a movie where like I feel like the Doomer generation is gonna rediscover it, and it's gonna piss me off. Because it's like a very, it's like a humans are the virus movie. And like the movie thinks it's like not saying that. <laughs> like, uh, and it was one of those movies where like they thought they were being clever by like using Keanu Reeves as like an emotionless alien, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like, he's actually good in it, but it's, I'd rather see him be the more benevolent alien, you know? Mm-hmm. And it says he's like an asshole to everyone. That's a bad movie. That's a really bad yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, even Scott Derrickson was like, he, he, he like basically disowned it. Yeah, but Scott Derrickson does that with all of his yeah, movies. Yeah, but even that one's like really bad. Yeah. Still stands by uh, that fucking stupid one with The Exorcist. The Exorcism of uh, Emily Rose? No, uh, the other one <laughs> that was a cop drama. Oh. I thought that was kind of an interesting premise. That's a that's one of the worst films I've <laughs> ever seen in my entire life. It really is. Like, it's that that movie is like criminally bad. Like, it's like an anti-abortion movie too. Yeah, that's not great, but <laughs> yeah, not great. And and it's one of those based on true events, and you watch it, and it's like not only is it not based on true events, like he knows he's lying. <laughs> Like, it's not like Scott Derrickson, like, secretly believes it. It's like, no, he knows he's making this shit up. No, no, it's like Morpheus telling him he's beginning to believe. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not, it's nothing like that. <laughs> it's like the opposite of that. <laughs> You're not even fucking close. Hey, let's talk about how Trinity is introduced by killing a bunch of cops. Yeah! <laughs> It fucking rules. It's so good that they referenced it in the Space Jam sequel. Holy shit. That's the exact right. scene. <laughs> That's cr- I, I can't believe I didn't think yeah. of that. I don't remember if she kill if Granny kills them. No, though. but if if she kills police officers, that does make her comrade Granny. <laughs> is is Speedy Gonzalez also in that scene? Yeah. And he goes, Arriba! Yeah. Which doesn't I I, I don't they got a Mexican actor to voice There you him. go. Reparations. Um. <laughs> well, who is it? It's that, uh... Who's that guy? It's kind of like a big guy. Fluffy? Um, yeah. Okay. What's that guy's name? Yeah, I just know him as Fluffy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Fluffy. <laughs> like, a, I'm a terrible I they him... ally to my own people. <laughs> well, I guess... I, I, I heard him in an interview where I guess they brought him in uh, to voice Speedy Gonzalez, and... He like was kind of like I can't believe I got the part, and then he came in and they wanted him to do his voice, and he was like, "No, I'm going to do Speedy Gonzalez." Oh fuck yeah, voice. he gets it. Yeah, and and then he was like, "Oh, you guys just wanted a shield for when you do Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez," <laughs> which I think is exactly what he said. Hell yes! Oh, that that's great. I'm glad for him. So, yeah, and uh, you know what? Speedy Gonzalez sounded like Speedy Gonzalez. Mm. I'll say that. Isn't, like, Speedy Gonzalez, like, kind of, like, really popular in Mexico? Yeah. Like, there was, I guess there's like, historically, like, a wave of, like, 
descent because it is like a very offensive character. And then like mm. it took ownership of it because it's like it's like yeah we're getting kind of scraps. Let's fucking like take this guy for ourselves. He is also the hero of all his stories. Yeah, you know, which you is know? very like, rare. Yeah. It's not like he's, like, a foil, like, he's, like, Bugs Bunny comes and, like, beats the shit out of yeah, him Yeah, he's not a foil, you know? he's not but... a sidekick, he is, like, the driving force of, of his mm. narratives, which is very rare for us still. Hey, so. Yeah, and just, you know, just if you're gonna do Speedy Gonzalez content, maybe just get some Mexican yeah. get <laughs> I guess. Get Guillermo del Toro to produce, I'm sure he'd be happy to, because oh, he likes money. Yeah. And then, get the team behind Maya and the three... Slash the book of life. Oh yeah, you're, the thing you keep hyping. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that guy is is fantastic. That guy and his wife. They come up with all their ideas together. They're very creative and they're fun Twitter follows. So, if you want to talk about something that hasn't aged super well in the movie uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, um, there's a scene where Porky Pig and Speedy Gonzalez are sitting at a table commiserating about how uh, they can't get work now because of political correctness. <sighs> Oh, Joe Dante. Even he misses once Wait. in a while. Yeah, even he misses once in a while. Um, and also, it doesn't age well because we don't call it political correctness anymore. We call it cancel culture. Mm. It's weird how we just change words. <laughs> just in time for everyone to realize a phrase was stupid. <laughs> you know what's not stupid, though? Trinity killing a bunch yeah, of Yeah, that fucking rules... And, you know, the opening is so fucking great because it's like you understand everything immediately. And oh, yeah, it throws no, a fuck the, ton at you. It throws a shit ton at you. The fucking first shot of this movie is just a computer screen <laughs> of just, like, code counting down, you mm-hmm. know? And you, But you get it where it's like getting the phone number and it's a conversation that you all understand where it's like they're, they're tracking someone, this person is of some importance... And then you get that, like, oh, and then she's like, is this line being traced? And, like, it, just as, like, it all clicks at, like, the exact same time, you know? It's great, great stuff. And every shot, like, every once in a while you'll watch a movie like this where every shot is, like, achieving its maximum potential for storytelling capabilities, you know? Yes. Like, I'm not a guy that believes script is king, but I do believe mm-hmm. story is king. And if you don't understand yeah. the difference, just just watch a couple extra movies once in a while. And you'll start mm-hmm. to realize that, yeah, maybe it's not the most tightly wound narrative, but if the okay. filmmaking can get across the ideas, it almost doesn't matter a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, we talk about script is king and, like, the like problems of that kind of mentality. It's a very sometimes. American mentality, which isn't inherently yeah, a bad but, thing. Script is good. You want a good, solid script, <laughs> which the Matrix is let's also. Talk about, yeah, but let's talk about this. Like, it's very clear. Like, when people talk about script as king, they usually go like, "When you sit down to write, the first things you should do is figure out what your three act structure is, and like, what's your protagonist? What's their want? What's their need? What's the point of attack? What's the inciting incident?" And it's like you shouldn't start there all the time. Yeah, and you know, you know, for some people that is like the way that they get their stories across and it helps yeah. them and that's fine. Like I like no, outlining. I'm not saying... Like I like act breakdowns. That helps me uh-huh. like narrow my focus now. Yeah, I'm not saying like that I'm not trying to be like good or bad in terms of that, but I'm just saying don't like you don't want a blueprint, you know, that like has that you don't want to start with a blank blueprint in front of you, mm-hmm. right? You want to start, like, they clearly started with these very big ideas about the Matrix. 
Like, one thing that, like, is kind of infectious about all the Wachowski sisters stuff is that you can tell this was, like, conversations they had while they were, like, shooting shit as teenagers, <laughs> you know? Like, and they just put it into a movie. And it's one of those things where, like, they had all these big ideas, and then after they figured out their ideas, then they kind of started imposing the order on it. Because the first scene is a, it's a conversation where, you know, all the characters already know what's going on. The way the information is delivered is just like, here's how we're going to show everything without explaining it. But we, it's going to, it's the start, it's the perfect Star Wars opening where you can tell by watching it that the filmmakers have it all figured out, even if they aren't telling mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah. That they know what's going on, even if you don't know what's going on. And they give you just enough to follow the action in the scene. Right, mm-hmm. and that's perfect stuff. Whereas, like a shittier version of the Matrix would start with like a massive text crawl explaining what the Matrix mm-hmm. is, you know, which is the bad version of this. Yeah, or like even something else that's very like that kind of defined the look of cyberpunk and is eventually how you get something like the Matrix. Blade Runner. Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, oh, I was going to say Johnny Mnemonic. I really thought. No. I really thought you were going to say Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> that was not like a joke. <laughs> oh, what a fucking movie! Because um, Johnny Mnemonic starts with a big text call. <laughs> yes, it does, uh, and isn't great, but worth recommending if you love cyberpunk stuff. Because it's very mm-hmm. funny how dated that is. Um, I but I was saying Blade Runner, you know, not the best written film, but also maybe the best directed film ever made, you know? Yeah. Open to the text crawl. Blade Runner is a weird one where it's like a masterpiece, but you also have to watch three versions of it before you <laughs> Yeah, at least have to watch it works. a couple times uh, <laughs> yeah, after you lose yourself so. to it and be like, wait, what is it actually about again? Okay, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. identity and de- determining what, like, how to make yourself human in all that mm-hmm. shit and yada yada and the matrix is just like no for every frame is like telling you the story and you know like yes. a lot of times like not just now but like most movies in general you don't always get like the story happening at you constantly sometimes it'll be like shot reverse shot here's here's the setting here's a shot for the setting here's a shot for the location Here's a shot for this character. Here's coverage of that. No, The Matrix, I don't believe there's a single moment of this film where I'm like, yeah, they just needed that for coverage. Every image is, like, conveying I something know. to yeah. you. Now, if you want to talk about one thing that, like, I I really appreciate on this rewatch is how fucking, like, scrappy this film is. Yeah, shot for $68 like, million. Dollars. That's the budget of The dollars. Matrix. And at the same time, one, it feels, like, way bigger than that. And also, you can totally see the seams of, like, where their budget limitations were, right? Yeah. Like, that rooftop fight, it's very clear they kind of just had, like, a corner of a rooftop. Mm-hmm. Like, if like, you... Which I I am not, like, criticizing... Like, that's not a criticism. No, no, it's yeah. kind of what I love about it. And in a weird way, I, this might be a weird comparison, but this, like... Everyone talks about, like, the Asian influence on The Matrix and all that stuff. I get a big John Carpenter influence on this movie. There's there's definitely like, they live I, in here at least. I, there's definitely they live in like terms of themes, but I'm just talking in terms of like how the film is made. Interesting. Like John Carpenter was perfect at using like every cent of his budget, right? Mm-hmm. Like and you could see the limitations but like it didn't matter. Like you watch Escape from New York, it doesn't look like New York City at all, but it doesn't fucking matter cuz he knows where to put the money and where not yeah, it, to. 
And this is the exact same thing. Whereas, like, Escape from New York doesn't look like actual New York. You buy into it as this movie's New York, as this post-apocalypse yes. New York. And The Matrix, mm. you buy into this city. You buy into every location and set piece as yeah. this world's location and set piece. And I got to say, there are people that rip off John Carpenter and the Wachowski sisters that just cannot replicate what those no, directors have going for them. Specifically something mm. like the the opening office chase set piece with Neo and he's like, I can't do it, right? That mm-hmm. whole chase and escape and failed escape before he turns himself in, that feels huge. Other people have stuff in offices. Like another film, I got to be honest, I've never talked about this before. A problematic fave of mine, especially in high school, <laughs> was the film Wanted, a film and no one remembers oh, with the yeah. curved bullet. No one remembers that yeah. movie except for me. Um, and that movie feels way smaller than this. And there's like a chain, like a train exploding set pieces, like in the middle yeah. of that movie. And it feels well, nowhere just, as big as something with like a quarter of the budget. <laughs> that's digital filmmaking in general. Like there's so much of that just in general today where, I mean, I will watch, you know, think this, this feels bigger than Endgame, right? Oh yeah. There's like, no comparison. Just, they shot that like which, entirely in IMAX. Yeah. And it's just like that movie's got like universes dying and time travel and gods and shit. And it's like the office Neo runs through is like a bigger scene than that entire movie. <laughs> like and at the same time, when you watch it, if you like, if you're, if you've seen the movie a million times, like I have, and you're really watching, it, you can tell like this is a fucking really tiny set, mm-hmm. like that they are just they're, but they are using every inch of it, and it's just like wow, they kind of couldn't afford extras for this shot. Like, there's a lot of that, like where it's like this scene probably should be more populated, but it just isn't, and it doesn't fucking matter because they put the money exactly where it needed. Yeah. To what be. What is uh? What's our boy Ebert's? quote that I like to reference all the time like it's not what a movie's about it's how it's about it yes you know, and... Ebert famously did not like The Matrix oh fucking I didn't know that actually do you, do you know what Ebert's big thing was no he it was the biggest uh, Dark City fan oh my no you know what that's right I remember now <laughs> I think he has a commentary on the Blu-ray like there's an Ebert commentary <laughs> On the Dark City Blu-ray, which I own, and I've been, you know what, because of Matrix, I've been, like, thinking about revisiting Dark City, (laughs) and, like, everyone was kind of, when the Matrix was being built up, everyone was kind of comparing it to Dark City, being like, well, Dark City bombs, so the Matrix is gonna bomb, and I think they even shot some of the Matrix on Dark City sets. And look, I love Dark City, too. It is not the Matrix. (laughs) It is not the Matrix, but it's that thing of, like, I think Ebert was, like, not fuck Dark City's where it's at, motherfuckers. Like, he just was, like, so pissed that no one showed up for Dark City and everyone showed up for The Matrix. And I, I will say, Dark City also is a film that looks fucking incredible. Dark City looks fucking fantastic. I gotta rewatch it. I haven't watched it in a few years. Yeah, like, it, it is nowhere near The Matrix firing in all cylinders, but just, like, visually and atmospherically, like, that movie, man. Like, you could, you could yeah. do, like, Blade Runner... Dark City, and then The Matrix as a trilogy watch. And you just get, like, maximum cinema blasted into your eyeballs. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, on my shelf right now, it's like I have two movies with Roger Ebert commentaries on them. 
One is like the 40th anniversary Blu-ray release of Citizen Kane. <laughs> and the other is Dark City. Wow. Like, whoa. To quote Neo, whoa. <laughs> yeah, hey, Ebert was uh, dead fucking wrong. Sorry. Yeah, he, he I mean, hey, look. I've pr- I've probably been in the same position Ebert's been in when it comes to some movies. You know, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure I've done something similar. No Time to Die. A little bit, yeah. But I, I kind of admitted that, like, No Time to Die is a better version of Spectre. Yeah. Like, um, but, hey, you kind of need Spectre for No Time to Die to work. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I don't hey. hate Spectre anymore. Yeah. I, I've definitely warmed up to it. Yeah. It's weird. It's like you've warmed up to it and I've kind of cooled on it. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I don't love it now, but I'm like, yeah, the... There's better stuff in there than I gave it credit for, and there's stuff that still definitely doesn't work. Yeah, it'll. So. It, I think it'll find its place. It won't be like considered the bad Bond movie in the future, you know. Yeah, no, Craig, Craig's run will fucking hold up, but that's that's that's, that's a whole, whole other whole topic other of conversation. Um, yeah. Sorry, we totally got off track, but like, yeah. yeah, the the production, the visuals, the sound, the the soundtrack by. Don Davis, mm-hmm. like I really got chills rewatching it recently with the the theme. I know over the yeah. credits, the dun, dun. I miss orchestra scores. Like we still have them. Yeah, but barely. But we don't have yeah. them. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're talking about like the digital filmmaking, and I got to push back a little bit on that because we also live in a world where the Wachowski sisters made Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, and Jupiter yeah. Ascending. Well, yeah, but, like, they're the best at digital filmmaking. Like, the... Well, it's kind of like the Wachowskis, James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez, Guillermo del Toro, um, look, look, Michael Bay, I would argue, visually at least, his films, like, look all unbelievable. Those, all those people are good. Speed Racer is better. Yeah. <laughs> Speed Racer is the definitive digital filmmaking movie. I would probably agree with that, yeah. It's, it's like, that's, that's all I'm saying, like... Yes, Avatar is brilliant. Like, Speed Racer should have been the movie to make $2 billion. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. we would be living in a utopian society right now <laughs> had that happened. <laughs> we truly would. And I think I think that's this thing. Like, we talk about this. This movie is, like, the exact right moment for The Matrix to come out. Like, a, literally a year after Dark City. Like, <laughs> that's the perfect time for Matrix to come out. Because Dark City kind of gets you, like, hyped a little bit. Cyberpunk has gone mainstream. Like, all the stuff's lining up. Perfect time. Speed Racer is literally, I think, one year too early. I think I said that on our episode. Mm-hmm. Like, had it been a year later in 3D, it would have fucking just killed everyone. <laughs> and would have just changed all of cinema. And unfortunately, I think they've kind of just been a little early ever since, you know? Like maybe yeah, not. like you you look back at like like old painters and stuff like that, you know. And people look at like Van Gogh and they're like, "How was this not appreciated in its time?" Mm-hmm. And then now you see like the Wachowski sisters stuff and people being like, "Eh, not really interested in that." And then later, yeah, I see how that happens now. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely see how that happens now. Oh yeah, it makes sense totally now. You know, sometimes you're just not ready for it, and we're all doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. There's something right now that all of us are dismissing that is probably going to be the defining thing, you know? Yeah, like TikTok. Or Homestuck. Or Homestuck, yeah. <laughs> Never expected to bring up Homestuck on this podcast. I know. I didn't either. I, 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 I probably shouldn't. It's, it's probably a criminal <laughs> thing to do. 
But no, I think TikTok will be. I think TikTok is going to lead to the revitalization of the musical. Like, I think you're right. Like, look, we haven't, Spielberg, I haven't seen West Side Story yet. It's no, bombing right now. I know. Here's the thing: Spielberg's early. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's cracked it. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I'm just I'm going off of what I've read. People are going crazy for people it. Are going Apart from people shit. that generally don't like musicals, people seem to be going nuts for it. Yeah, people are going fucking insane for it. So I think Spielberg, for once, is a little early. Mm-hmm. For like, which he's never really. I mean, you know what? That's not true. He was definitely early with like Minority Report a little bit. But like the weird thing about Spielberg is he's always kind of had one foot early, one foot late. You know, mm-hmm. like that's late era Spielberg. This seems like oh no, he's back to being ahead of the curve again. And I think it's because there's all these talk about how TikTok has kind of been like saving Broadway musicals. Have you been reading about this? No. So huh. like, there's a big generation gap in Broadway musicals. Like, there's it's kind of like a thing that older people like to go and see, and that there have been musicals targeted at a younger audience, and they haven't really worked. And Beetle Beetlejuice was turned into a musical, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the old guard of Broadway didn't really like it. I'm not going to sit here and say the Beetlejuice musicals is a, is a masterpiece, but it was kind of like rejected. And then the cast started like uploading TikToks, and it reached like this whole younger audience, and it started getting like a sustained ticket sales, <laughs> and it started doing pretty well. And then fucking COVID, of course, fucked it all up. Sadly, um, mm. I think they got thrown out of the theater they were in, but I think they they've been set up somewhere else. But it's this weird thing where now, like, there's this whole wave of Broadway musicals coming that are entirely aimed at younger audiences. And, like, I'm not saying it's all good. Like, Dear Evan Hansen is part of that. Yeah, which is, like, a really funny sidebar that everyone, like, all the real hardcore Broadway fans, the musical fans, were like, yeah, we've been trying to warn people about how shitty that one is for so long. We don't know why people got excited about it. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. Which I just loved. You know. Um, I was also just kind of shocked that, like, I didn't I didn't know enough about Dear Evan Hansen. And I'm usually pretty plugged in with Broadway. Like, mm. not, like, super plugged in, but, like, a little bit. I, I had no idea what Dear Evan Hansen was about, so. No, I mean, I, I, same. When it, the trailers first started coming out, I was like, wait, that's what it's yeah. about? And then you'd be like, wait, that's what it's about? And then be like, no, no, it's actually even worse. <laughs> and you're like, wait. Uh and then Dear Evan Hansen is probably like the thing that fucking kneecapped West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Like it, t- it just fucked it, you know. Evil film. Yeah, it's it's so bad, and it's sad. Like, you know, I, but hey, I think maybe now's the wrong time for a musical. <laughs> like, I love musicals. Uh, the vibe of the world right now is not musicals. Yeah. You know? It is uh, the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. Um, we'll see about that in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie rules. Yeah, no, it it does. We could talk about a lot more. Morpheus Lawrence Fishburne is is uh-huh. one of the greatest actors on the planet, and I I cannot imagine anyone else playing this character. I know. So I, you know, if if I have any concerns, going. Can we talk ahead, about one thing one. that is like amazing about his performance that I don't know if it's his performance or how it's shot. Like I don't know. It's probably a combination of both. Like most movies are. But, uh, so Morpheus is like this mysterious cyber terrorist at the start of the film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's up to some shit, like, they fucking interrogate him about him. When you meet him, he's basically like an Obi-Wan Yoda-type character, 
you know, mm-hmm. with the whole he gives a whole speech about the blue pill, blah blah blah. He has a great fucking he delivers this line amazingly after he takes uh, the red pill, and he's like. It's so funny, like, you, it, I feel like a worse version of this movie, he would take the red pill and then just immediately wake up, right? Yeah. Like, that's the bad version. Instead, they bring him into another room with all this other technology. <laughs> and then he, he's like, hey, what is, what is, what's happening? And it's like, well, we need to give you the pill to figure out where you are. It disrupts your input-output carrier signal. <laughs> and you're like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> It's it's that's some great stuff. and then of course you have Joey Pants in the scene who in a weird way is kind of like the Han Solo of the movie, like even though he's a bad guy, like, he definitely starts that way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. I never thought of that like explanation, but that makes sense now. You know, he's the one. He's like, his, what it means is Kansas is going bye bye, and so like then the audience is like, okay, that's what input output carrier means. <laughs> like, yeah, he gets these lines where it's just like it totally makes the. The stuff that is a stretch to understand, he makes it palatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I by mean, the second half of the film, when it's like all unwinding and like setting up and paying off shit like nobody's business, it's just the coolest shit ever because you finally understand everything. Yes. Um, but then what I was saying with Morbius, so like he's like set up, he's like super cool. We have the there's the great fucking kung fu fight, right? Oh yeah, like, which is just, I mean, just the fucking best. And it's it's the thing of like the you're you're so in. Here's something I'll say. There's like a lot of exposition dumps in this movie, which is like one of those things they will tell you not to put into your screenplay, you know. Mm-hmm. And they I'm not saying they don't get inventive with how they visually do it, but they there's they it's inventive, but also a lot of exposition. But yeah. here's the thing: you can get away with exposition dumps if what the guy is saying is fucking cool as shit. Like you can totally mm-hmm. get away with it. And, you know, we, we talked about um, Michael Bay's The Island earlier mm-hmm. this year on the failed blockbusters retrospectives, which is a film that is also ripping off The Matrix in a lot of ways. Yes. And I would argue that Michael Bay's, like, his bigger hits that people get really excited about, like normal human beings in the general public, like Transformers or something, when they have, like, professionals, like, class actors spouting exposition while crazy shit's going on, it is kind of exciting to watch. Oh, yeah. He he's just is nowhere near, like, as talented in, in weaving between the story and his interest in explosions yes. like the Wachowskis are. Because the Wachowskis like blowing up shit, too, mm. you know? But here's, here's the thing. Like, the, yes, the Wachowskis love blowing shit up. This is a movie with huge gaps between their action scenes and mm-hmm. are very patient with just what they do like you know we open with like a great action scene and then we're just kind of hanging with neo for a little bit you know mm-hmm. and then i think the next like like there's yes there's like the chase in the office you know there's all that but there's like the next like action action scene is like the kung fu fight right it's like i know yeah. kung fu like it's <laughs> there's that and then there's the getaway scene which isn't like that showy of an action scene it's fun but it's not like incredible and then the ending is just like, let's just fucking blow everything up. <laughs> like, and it's totally earned it by that point. Um, but again, I'm sorry, I keep I keep getting sidetracked because that's what we do on this show. <laughs> but uh, Morpheus is just saying, like, the coolest shit, like, one after the other for, like, a huge chunk of the movie, you know? Um, it, like, is, you think that's air you're breathing? Which, like, the first time you see that, you're like, holy fuck, dude. Like... <laughs> It's the best. He does the whole thing where he explains, like, what the fuck is going on with the machines, um, where he holds up a Duracell battery. 
which I think is something that the studio made the Wachowskis do. If I remember correctly, the in the original script for The Matrix, the reason the humans are being harvested is different than power generation. Like, there was some hmm. other thing, and then the studio was like, just say they're human batteries. Like, <laughs> just make it simple, which... You know, most studio notes suck. That one, just kind of do that. Like That that makes it, I think, more palatable. Why too. can't the robot simply launch solar panels into space? I don't know. But hey, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a metaphor, that's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we do all that. After the Oracle scene, where the Oracle goes like, you're not the one, Morpheus is going to die for you, right? Mm-hmm. Every Morpheus moment after that scene, Morpheus is, like, like, I don't want to say he looks pathetic, but, like, he's suddenly, like, you, you're like, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a fucking hell of a switch. And I think it's a mixture of Fishburne's performance and the way he's filmed, you know? Like, he does that scene where he, like, dives out to, like, save Neo, where he's like, protect Neo, and, like, after that moment, like, Neo knows he's not the one. And it's simultaneously, like, it's kind of like, I don't want to say cringe, but it's weird, you know? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Morpheus is a weeb. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Like, And I say that with love. And another testament to the Wachowski's ability to not only deconstruct or attempt to deconstruct, like, how we live in society and, like, what institutions are in place to kind of subjugate us in you know, what we will eventually discover to be gender roles in, mm. in their filmography as well, but, like, in our roles in society as a whole. And also deconstructing the story elements that we hold dear. You referenced the Han Solo thing. I don't think that's an accident. Mm-hmm. You referenced Obi-Wan with Morpheus. I definitely don't think that's an accident. I think they want us to really look at, like, the stories that we engage with that star Wars has kind of been like the pinnacle of for so long. And it's like, okay, look at that story. If we keep repeating that story, how often are those things going to work out the same way? Why would they work out the same way? (laughs) You know, Morpheus's speech about what the matrix is, is Yoda talking about what the force is. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. One person's talking about it as bad. One person's talking about it as good. Like that's nuts. Also, I mean, 99, same year as Phantom Menace, you know? Phantom Menace comes out a little later, and, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we can say what we want about Phantom Menace now, but this movie totally fucking ate its lunch, you know? <laughs> like, I think a lot of the early success of The Matrix was people transferring their enthusiasm for Star Wars Episode One over to The Matrix after they were disappointed. I think people kind of like this is the new, this is the new hotness. That, yeah, that would that would track. You know, and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to speak to the quality of Phantom Menace. I'm just saying, like, in terms of like why the culture was like Matrix in '99. You know, mm-hmm. and Star Wars. I mean, it. You know, Phantom Menace looked like old hat at the time. It looked kind of like out of step with it. And now, when you look at the prequel trilogy in retrospect, you realize that Lucas was trying to go for his own deconstruction type thing. You know, mm-hmm. but it maybe didn't make sense when Phantom Menace first dropped. Yeah, 
I think it's it's an unfortunate side effect of him not being the strongest director apart from his his visual interest, yeah, and his ability to push technology, and also that people weren't ready for it. Yeah. And I, I I made it very clear I have come around completely on the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. but a while ago there was a, a a Twitter prompt from my buddy Mike Schindler who asked if George Lucas had decided not to direct the Star Wars prequels, which three directors would you have hired instead? And my picks were for Phantom Menace, Steven Spielberg, because it's got the fun, swashbuckly adventure nature of it. Mm. It's the setup film. Attack of the Clones. Uh, Zhang Yimou, who is known for The Red Lantern, stuff like that. Uh, Fantastic director. And for Revenge of the Sith, I chose the Wachowski sisters. Hey, there you go. You know what, though? I might swap out Spielberg with someone. Um, Anyone off the top of your head? or David Fincher. <laughs> Maybe. I think David Fincher would have brought the edge to Phantom Menace that it desperately needed. I don't think Phantom Menace needs an edge, though. I think it needs a rewrite. I think it needs Just a one. lot of things. Just but, one, honestly. But I think it needs a guy who has contempt for the audience directing it. <laughs> so okay, No, so he should do Attack of the Clones. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe switch them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and like, I, you know, God bless Spielberg, but I like it's one of those things where you want someone a little scrappier at the time doing it. In my opinion, it's just you know, Spielberg. Like, by that, my is, heart always just yearns for the the Steven Spielberg Star Wars that never was. I know it would have been Return of the Jedi. I know. It would have been. And, I know. And we would have sat here and been like, you know what? We don't even need to make any more Star Wars movies because Return of the Jedi was so good. Yeah, no, that would have been the greatest one ever. And it, it's still my favorite Star Wars, but it's like, that would have been another, like, echelon of when did, Return, when did Return become your favorite? It, it's been my favorite. Oh, I, I, I have not been listening to you when you talk. No, <laughs> I guess not. Um, although now, I think, I think Star Wars, the original, is now my favorite. All right. I think I mean, I'm... I'm at a point where I like, like I said, I'm talking about how scrappy this movie is. I recently talked about how I prefer Raiders over Last Crusade because of how scrappy it is. And I, what I really latched onto with The Matrix is how scrappy it is. Yeah, you know? and I guess I will say I agree with you here as The Matrix hot take is my favorite of The Matrix trilogy. Mm-hmm. I know that's a controversial opinion, but it is mine. Yeah, I mean, it's mine too. Like, yeah, I mean, everyone has the opinion. For for anyone that didn't get my sarcasm, yeah, it's. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's 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 the Matrix for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, it's that's the thing. It's some of these things where like we'll talk about the sequel and their, their the sequels and their quality. The problem is they're following a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those movies could have been perfect, and it still would have been a problem. Like. I mean, you look at the Wikipedia for The Matrix and Passing, there are four separate paragraphs. No, there are like a dozen separate paragraphs relating just to the themes and analysis section Uh, alone. Plus links to other influences and interpretations, plus extra links to the Wachowskis and their personal lives and how that influenced further thematic analysis of the and, matrix. And I'm just going to say because um I I I failed philosophy in high school and I don't want to embarrass myself. We will not be touching a lot of um, a certain ass number of the themes. Yeah, and like look, some of the stuff 
I would just be punching above my weight class. We're not going to sit here. I would be here. like throwing stones at God. We're not going to sit here and explain that they might be using the phrase "desert of the real" incorrectly in that one scene. <laughs> but hey, um, there's a lot of great shit out there that you can read about the Matrix. Yeah, just yeah, read it. Read people yeah. that don't even like it either. Like you'll you'll still find good stuff. Yeah. Like. Although you might you might have a harder time finding that. Well, than isn't the else. fucking the fucking badass move the Wachowskis did with the sequel, is that the Council of Zion half the Council are P, are philosophers that love the Matrix and half of them are philosophers that didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like the fucking just like badass like fuck you move? It's that's pretty fucking great. That's in that's just like wow. <laughs> like, we should also talk about how the choreography with the action, you know, it's very inspired by anime. I believe the story is that the Wachowskis showed Joel Silver Ghost in the Shell and were yeah. like, we want to do that in live action. Also, and that's hot exactly take, what they did. Hot take, this is better than Ghost in the Shell. I haven't like, seen Ghost in the Shell. Uh, have you seen Akira? Yeah. Yeah, just watch Akira. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, oh, okay. You know, I like Ghost in the Shell's cool. It's, it's fine. It's kind of like... You know, you... I saw the live action one. Oh my god! Yeah, that's real bad. Um, I feel bad for the poor fucking son of a bitch who watched fucking Cowboy Bebop live action first. You know, someone's out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um... Shout out to my pal Noah Garcia. Oh my god! I don't know if he started it yet, but he was telling me like, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch live action first in case it's good, so I'll have nothing to compare it to." Fucking smash his Roku. This was months before we had seen a trailer or anything, though. Fucking break his Roku, man. Like, you gotta (laughs) stop this. I haven't talked to him about it yet, so we'll we'll see. This is a legit crime. Like, don't let him do it. It might be too late. I've now also realized when I recommend, like, anime movies or something on my letterbox, I have to leave a note for Dan Doherty being like, look, start with the series. Don't watch watch the movie first, because the fucking guy watched the Neon Genesis Evangelion movie first. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen any of that, but even I know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, but also, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Maybe five minutes in, you should have realized you weren't understanding some things. (laughs) Um... Uh. Yeah, who, so I who is you know, the, had a uh, huge cultural impact. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the choreographer of, for this? The stunt choreographer? Uh, Yuan Wuping. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he worked on a lot of Hong Kong stuff. Yes. And I think the story with him, which again, there's like, because this is like a Joel Silver produced thing, some of it is like, you don't know how true it is and how much of it was just hype. Mm-hmm. I think the story is he kind of didn't want to do The Matrix. So he he kept demanding, like, crazy things for the action. And the Wachowski just kept saying, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they kind of gave a blank check to their stunt choreographer. Oh, which, that's uh, fucking beautiful. Might have been the right choice. Uh, for people curious, Yuan Wuping also worked as action choreographer slash fight advisor on stuff like Drunken Master, Fist of Legend, Black Mask, mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon 4, which is quite the drop in quality before heading to the matrix mm-hmm. uh crouching tiger hidden dragon kill bill you get the picture yeah yeah and, <laughs> yeah. Kung, and kung fu hustle and kung fu hustle <laughs> yes of course everyone's favorite um 
Uh, it's also worth noting that Carrie Ann Moss, who we haven't really talked about, oh, yeah, yeah. who I think is really good in this, she really credits this movie for, like, giving her a career. Yeah. What she was she says that she didn't really this? have one. Like, I, I, no offense, I can't think of anything um, that she was in before this. No, she just was, like, in, in smaller stuff. She, she's done a couple movies that none I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, starting in 1994, and some television going back to, like, Dark Justice and Street Justice, which I have not seen, in the early 90s. And uh, here's here's a fun fact. A Canadian fantasy adventure series that ran for 13 episodes in 1993. Do you know what it was called? No. Matrix. Oh, hey, I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, no I'll, one knows about that. I'll have to check that out at some point. <laughs> I, it is it is nothing to do with the Even actual Even though it's probably film. been buried. But also, like, unfortunately, uh, she kind of, like, she did these movies, and then, like, there's not a ton of Carrie Ann Moss movies out there. No, that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It's like, she's in Disturbia. Remember Disturbia? I do. That was Baby's first Rear Window. Yeah. And then you watch it, you're like, hey, I can always just watch Rear Window. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, what? She was in Red Planet. Remember Red Planet? Red Planet? No. The, like, knockoff Mars movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um... Oh, fuck. It, it came out, like, the same time as uh, Brian De Palma's space movie that's actually kind of underrated. Yeah, Mission to Mars. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like, like that a movie a lot. Movie, but yeah. is interesting. And no, I, I would argue, but we're not here to argue about that. Yeah. Um, I gotta give Carrie Ann Moss uh, credit though for like, I mean, I'm sure she just wanted to work, but she has like a run of episodes in a show called Chuck that I really like. That is definitely written by men, but <laughs> like, <laughs> but she she plays like a kind of an auspicious like morally gray character with a heart of gold Mm -hmm. and uh she's tons of fun like it is they just hired her because the matrix is awesome and she's awesome in it but like they give her like stuff to do in there yeah even though she plays like ostensibly just a love interest she like gets a lot of material out of that and she was in the marvel netflix shows as jerry hogarth yeah she's she's like jessica jones she's used very well yeah, she's um, great. Like, that show ends up having a lot of problems after, like, frankly, an incredible first season. But she was, like, really good. And it's like, too bad that, like, that's it for her. Jessica there. Jones the one that got better with season three? No, that's Daredevil. Daredevil okay. season three has, like, one of the best seasons of television yeah. I've ever seen. So I only ever watched the first season of Jessica Jones. Yeah, that's the one that y- you watch and then that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my tr- My holy trilogy... For the Marvel Netflix stuff is Jessica Jones season one, mm-hmm. Luke Cage season two, and Daredevil season three. Okay, those are all bangers. And then Daredevil season three is just like, holy fuck, why wasn't this like every superhero thing ever? <laughs> Where's uh, Kristen Ritter been at? Uh, she's a mom and she started directing. Oh, good for so her. She's yeah. So she's uh she's been moving away from like acting. Not that she wants to stop, but she's just like kind of. She's got other interests right now. Yeah, hey, that's that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, but she's I, cool. I like I'm a Kristen fan. Ritter, and I would like to see her pop up in things. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So, um, hey, I was hoping like there hadn't been something where she said some insane comment somewhere. 
Which is no, always no. the worry, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, uh, hey, I don't know, but um, it but like, doesn't look like that's the case. Like, we're going, like, the Matrix press thing is, like, starting up, and you're always worried someone's going to say something insane. You know? I know. Like, I- I'm sure you've seen it, but for those that don't know, Keanu was asked about NFTs, and he just started laughing. Yeah. Like, hey. he-, he said something specific that I can't remember off the top of my head, but he wasn't, he's not a fan, apparently. Yeah. And that made me very happy. Yes, definitely. That also means he understands the Matrix. Is there any. NFT tie-in with the new Matrix? There was, and then it got buried, like, immediately. Okay. I think they understood, like, yeah. oh, shit, no. Because I not, feel like... That, that, is not a, that is not me commending them for that. Mm-hmm. That's just me saying, like, hey, even they understand now, like, yeah, probably don't promote that again. Well, I, I feel like, you know, maybe they, they've, like... That's a studio decision, you know? Oh, totally. Like, totally. Lana doesn't really have the clout to, like, stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And I, I, I am kind of just fascinated with what Matrix Rever- Resurrections might be. It's nuts to think we almost had a Zach Penn written Matrix film. Like, yeah, and I'm glad that is apparently dead. Yes. For now. Yeah. We, yeah. we never know. It, uh, no, it, we, we will definitely get the shitty one at some point, but um, not, not today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we say to the god of franchises? Not today. Uh <laughs> Well, also nuts that Neil Patrick Harris is in everything about Matrix Resurrections. I'm just like, the fuck is this? In a good way, <laughs> in a good way, like not in a bad way. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, why Neil Patrick Harris? <laughs> yeah, like it's just such a choice. I don't, I don't know if it's a good or a bad one yet. <laughs> yeah, who's playing the agent in it? Oh, um, Daniel Bernhardt. Daniel Bernhardt and did you see the trailer like the new one? I uh, I've been avoiding him at this point. Okay, I won't say any more then. Okay, I I don't think it's given everything away, but again, I've only seen the trailers. I I, I don't know any. But there's like a else. new like the one guy's Morpheus. There's like gonna be a new Smith, right? Like yeah yeah. I won't say anything else. Okay, um, we'll see. But you know. it, it looks like that's the case. Yeah. I will say I like. There's all the talk about, like, who is and who isn't in it. Um, Jada Pinkett's in it, which I don't know what the fuck that's going to be. Um, but... She pops up in the the trailer. Yeah, but I, I don't know, like, what the narrative, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, same. That's, like That's what I mean. Um, yeah, and there's been a lot of discourse about that. They're like, oh, they're giving everything away. And I'm like, are they? I don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think everyone wants, like, Force Awakens again, you know? Where, mm-hmm. like, we can all applaud when the people show up on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, maybe not the, the thing you should do with a Matrix sequel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in for the ride of whatever happens next, regardless yes. of my feelings no, about no, same. the sequels. Same. Which we will get to next um, time. Uh, but, like I said, it's a little bummer that, like, you know, Lawrence Fishburne isn't in it, uh, supposedly. Um, some people are maintaining that he might show up in it. Um, but I am I am truly bummed that Hugo Weaving. It seems like he really isn't going to be in it. Yeah. Because um, <sighs> fuck is he good in this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just if you want to know how good he is, uh, watch the other ma- uh, agent actors, <laughs> and they are not as good. <laughs> and they're clearly building off of 
Hugo Weaving's performance, and, like, they're just not, like, getting there, you know? Mm-hmm. Not saying they're terrible, but Hugo Weaving's, like, driving that boat, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, God, he's so fucking good. He, he just has, like, I don't know what it is, but he's incredible. He's got, like, this preciseness in his dialogue. Yeah, with and it makes sense because he's a program, you know? Like, but then he's also, like, hiding this unbridled rage yeah. that he just wants to escape, like, from his body, but also the Matrix. And it's it's there's so much happening there in that performance. Unable to speak. Like, oh, God, it's so good. Yeah. Help your yeah, that, that's one of the greatest villains, like, ever. Garbage. Just, uh... <laughs> His whole speech with uh, Morpheus is fantastic, and it's that thing of, like, like there's a real tragedy to the Agent Smith character that I, I'm, like, fascinated with, mm-hmm. of just, like, he's, like, programmed to hate being in the Matrix, <laughs> so it will help him achieve his goal faster, <laughs> you know? He's like, it's the smell. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, that shit's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, we, this is basically a commentary track for the Matrix at this point. A little bit, yeah. The length of this one. Um, we're, we're going, yeah, we're going along a little bit. And I, I want to also mention something else that has been a, a fun topic conversation. I would say that the look of the Matrix we we associate this green tinted, green cast look over the interior Matrix shots in this film. That was not the case, apparently, with the theatrical release initially, which mm-hmm. Matt and I do not remember because we did not see this in theaters. Mm. Um, and I don't remember ever seeing a version of it without the green cast until yeah. this recent rewatch on HBO Max, where there are still, like, elements of the green, specifically, like, at night. There's a lot of, like, that green look mm-hmm. to the Matrix. Um, but if you watch the HBO Max version, I believe this is coming up with the, the an upscale release for the original Matrix. The street exteriors are, like, blue. There's a very blue look to the film. There are more cool elements to it. Um, As the film progresses, more, like, greens come into the Matrix as Neo awakens. And apparently that is the intention, Mm -hmm. according to the Wachowski sisters, where the green comes in primarily with the sequels because now they can all recognize the, the fakeness of the Matrix. Like, that it's not real. Even if people, like... Um, uh, uh, fucking Joey Pants want to believe in the Matrix. It's it's not something that can provide like happiness unless you like completely give yourself over to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a really interesting creative decision. Yeah, actually, I should I should probably watch the other version then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. It felt like watching it for the first time again. In All a right. way. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, I tried to see it, the theatrical re-release, and it was fucking terrible. So, um, yeah, that's... I'm done. I, I think I'm just, like, done going to revival shit at theaters, you know? At yeah, least, at least while they're at, like, you know, fucking multiplexes. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't do it anymore. Can't, yeah. Well, can't you'll it. be happy to know that there are also lots of... Um, not, not that I would ever participate in this. Lots of file transfers of older films that are 4K scans digitally of, mm-hmm. of film reels with, uh, you know, the grains and the pops and everything and the nice textures. That's, and you know, some like, films were, were uh, recorded with, like, open matte format, so you don't get the the intended aspect ratio, mm-hmm. which I, I've, I've seen a lot of, like, YouTube clips from The Matrix that are open matte, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming that's 
why they're open mat like that mm-hmm. because they're trading these files on the internet. That's a, I don't that, know. That, that, that makes makes some sense. I just you know I would like to be able to see the Matrix in a theater one of these days. I would too, oh. because it's a Warner Brothers release. You might be able to again at some point. Mm. I, I think because th- they haven't stopped like theaters from showing older films. Of yeah, theirs. Th- there's not there's, like Disney. There's one company that's a little more hesitant. Yeah, you could say. I mean, they yeah. they have. It's not even. I didn't say anything bad against them. I'm just saying what they're doing. Are they pulling the 20th Century Fox stuff? Like, uh. I don't know. I think stuff that's a little more risque, like the sexual thriller starring Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas, is going to Hulu next year now mm. instead of theaters. But um, they're definitely. But I mean, not like for, showcasing them for like re-release, like 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 the new Beverly could get Alien like every year. No, know? apparently like, they cannot. <laughs> well, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. I've never seen Alien on the big screen. Yeah, but like uh, I don't know, you know. I hope someone at Disney just gets smacked upside the head a little bit, because, like, it, you know... It's money on the table. <laughs> if 30 people at the New Beverly see it one night, like... Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to affect your fucking DVD sales. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand, you know, I don't know what that mentality is. Well, it's that exclusivity that they had for, like, I, I uh, get the it. Disney I, Vault. I understand the Disney Vault, like, I, I if in terms of, like, a business decision, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I understand where they're coming from. You give it to, like, two theaters, it's, like, you know, like, that's fine, you know? Like, yeah. If some theater in, like, Iowa that's, like, a mom-and-pop place goes, like, hey, can we have, like, Bambi for the weekend? You should just be, like, sure, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, like, if you don't want to do the wide release things, that's fine. Like, but just, like, you know, I don't know. It's just the Disney Vault seems, like, so antiquated at this point. Like, mm-hmm. It made sense in the VHS era. It doesn't make sense anymore. I'm trying to help these fuckers make more money. In the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's like I love like, we we this stuff never makes it on the podcast because why would it? But Diego and I will usually have a Star Wars discussion before we start recording and like half the time it's us being like no here's how they could make more money off of these shitty fans (laughs) we're like they're not even fucking exploiting this franchise properly (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's frustrating but what's not frustrating is the brilliance of the matrix yeah you know what though I gotta say like I think the thing like it's that thing I, I like a good villain and Agent Smith's a good villain and his whole speech about, like, the precision of the Matrix, like, it always, it always uh, makes me think about how into, like, sim games I am. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> that there's, like, a part in my brain that is, like, Agent Smith. I'm like, look at these streets I made in order in my fake digital city. <laughs> like, you know, maybe The Matrix is why I've never been, like, super hardcore into, like, RPGs and stuff like that. Really? Like, it just turned me off to, like, completely giving myself over to, like, open world games for too long and stuff like mm. that. Like, I get bo- I start wanting to do other things. That might be, like, a, a symptom of something else okay. called ADHD. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. I, I definitely have always kind of strayed away from, like, uh... World of Warcraft, I would do for a couple hours at a time, and then, like, leave it for months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So like I w- I could never have like Neopets or whatever the things that you needed to feed every day, because mm-hmm. then they would die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, um hey, something I'm thinking about. That's uh that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else I really want to talk about. Because uh, like I said, like we can't. I guess we're gonna talk about the Oracle because the Oracle's great. Yes, um, and, and then Foster. we probably do have to wrap up. <laughs> I got a few more things. Oh my god! Okay, okay, right. okay. Glory Foster is terrific as the Oracle. The Oracle scene is again. It's a kind of a scene that really shouldn't work, and it fucking works so well. You know, it's fucking terrific. Yeah. Well, there's no spoon. Uh, um, there is no spoon. That kid's fuck that kid. But <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I that scene is like one of those things where like, like God bless. The Wachowskis and their anti-authority stuff, and then but there's always like that nugget of like new age kind of thinking that I cannot follow them to, <laughs> and like they're just straight up referencing like fucking Uri Geller and his spoon bending, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a magic trick, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, like hey, you know, I get it. There is no spoon. That's important. He says that when he flies up the elevator shaft. <laughs> Later in the movie. Um, here's what's fucking funny as shit about the Oracle scene. <laughs> so the Oracle does that old thing where, like, he knocks over the vase, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, don't worry about it. He's like, here's the thing. Like, would, it, uh, would you have knocked it over had I not said anything? And it's like, oh. And she's like, all right. And the Oracle straight up says to Neo, like, being the one is something you can't be told. You have to know it, right? Mm-hmm. So she strips says that you have to know you're the one. I can't tell you that. By the way, you're not the one. <laughs> <laughs> and Neo's like, damn, I'm not the one. <laughs> and it's like, Neo, man, man. Like, well, she, look, just, in, she just told you. Like, <laughs> In all fairness, Neo has hesitation. He has, he has the traditional... Uh, refusal of the call. Yes, but here, yes. like like further deconstruction of something like the Star Wars trilogy, it's not just that he doesn't want to, it's that he's very clearly scared to. Yes. That change is like a scary thing. Also, hanging from the side of a building at such heights provides such wind that it's able to blow his cell phone out of his hand. Yes. That is genuinely frightening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ever, get it. You ever <laughs> like, been to the top of the Empire State Building? That shit's fucking scary. <laughs> I actually have. That is horrifying. Yeah. And there's like it's a, a dirty big... building. You won't fall down by itself, but holy fuck. There's like... a big fucking fence up there to stop you from ever falling over the thing, but you still don't feel safe. Like... Yeah. You know, I buy that much more than like, I don't know, some other film that might just be like, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. And then they have to do it by the last half hour because that's when the fight has to happen. Yeah. Well, now like all movies are just entirely refusal of the call. Yeah. Like, which also I think they're trying to do a Matrix thing. And the thing they miss is that the Oracle goes to Neo like, look, you're not the one. And also, like, she's really kind of hit on, like, because really he's, like, a skeptic. Like, he doesn't believe in this one shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was kind of hopeful, but, like, he's not. And then she's like, look, Morpheus is going to die for because he thinks you're the one. Now, there's going to be a moment where you have to make a choice. It's either going to be your life or Morpheus's life. And the moment that, like, the first time that happens when uh, they get attacked, when they're hiding in the walls and Cypher fucks everything up, and Morpheus, like, goes to sacrifice himself. Neo's, like, immediately, like, 
no, don't. Like, Neo's ready to die in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. He's immediately like, I will sacrifice myself in this moment for Morpheus. And then he just gets dragged away. And then later when they're going to kill him and he's like, no, we, we're going to attack. He's making the choice that I'm going to sacrifice myself to save Morpheus, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that thing of like, he doesn't believe he's the one, but he, there is a part of him that is in like inherently human and good, you know? Yeah. It's like he's making the good decision. The Charlie Bucket choice, if you will. He's, he's choosing not to steal the everlasting Gobstopper. Oh my God. Well, I think it's interesting that it's less about him being a chosen one, like you said, and, and more about just, hey, maybe someone just wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's where, like, the real strength of this narrative can come from. Yes. And then he becomes God by the end. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, yeah. So he 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 is the one. We got there's, I don't even want to talk about it, but there's the horrible scene where Joey Pants kills everyone. Yeah, that one makes, always fucked me up. Makes me miserable to this day when I watch it. Like <laughs> I kind of can't watch it. And you know, like in in films like this, when there's like a team set up and it's like, oh, it's really just about these handful of characters, so we got to wipe them out. Usually it's like, yeah, those are ancillary characters. I don't I don't care too much. And these are ancillary characters, but it's just fucking brutal when they're getting wiped out over like that 10-minute section, both inside and outside the Matrix. Also, uh, Mouse gets like shot to death. Yeah, that was one of the first deaths like on film that really bothered me. Because I was like, he's just a little guy. A young little guy, gets little pervert gets shot to death. Do you remember uh, what other film Mouse appeared in that we have covered on this podcast? The Fast and the Furious. No. No, I, I don't. I don't know. He is in Attack of the Clones. What? He is the guy who tries to sell death sticks to wow. Obi Wan, and the character's name is Elan Sleesbagano. I do remember that name. <laughs> wow. What a guy. So good for him. Yeah. If I was in Star Wars, I would want the name Ellen Slees Bagano. Yeah, why not? Um, I'm going to go home and rethink my life. I'm going to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> death sticks. Who the fuck takes death sticks? Well, they're cigarettes. Yeah, but I don't take any <laughs> No, medicine. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, I'm not like... Hey, it's man, the unsubtlety give me of that, George Lucas. Give me that cancer stick. Like, <laughs> well, that is what cigarettes are. I know, but they don't call it that. Like, yeah, I know, because in the real world, we don't we don't have that kind of subtlety. In the Star Wars world, George Lucas is like... He's blatantly explaining things from our society. But they're in a galaxy far, far away, so we don't have to buy into them immediately. What a weird guy. Yeah, I like him, though. I miss him. Yeah, I, I do, too. I'm sure he's working on those uh, small films he was always talking about. Just cut to George Lucas doing a line of cocaine. <laughs> cut to that weird video where George Lucas just appeared in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just does that from time to time. Yeah, why not? George Lucas, the soul of American cinema. Um, so the climax of this film <laughs> is our heroes committing an act of terrorism. <laughs> where they walk in and they shoot they, they shoot to death 
a bunch of uh, minimum wage security guards. And a SWAT team. And yes, the SWAT team's later, but first they kill a bunch of like very underpaid security guards. Yes. And which they, I th- in the coolest shit ever committed to film, they brought so many guns with them that they don't reload any of their guns. It's it's John Woo shit. When they run out of guns, they just drop the guns. <laughs> which is just the fucking best. I've been revisiting a lot of the cinema of John Woo and Chewie Hark. Mm-hmm. And, well, Chewie Hark has more specifically, like, a, a less romanticized view of violence. Whereas John Woo, like, I just rewatched Better Tomorrow and Better oh, Tomorrow yeah. 2. And it's just like, it's like that, but with a smaller budget. Mm-hmm. And, look, not to keep hammering the, the, the fucking nail about, like, oh, movies this nowadays, movies that nowadays... But if you're going to have violence in movies, you at least have to make a point of it, make it as fucking awesome as possible, or make a point of it being as fucking awesome as possible, Uh, and uh, also having a little extra point in there, too. But I do have a question about this scene, uh and I think other people have had this question, too. So they just kill a bunch of people that are still plugged into the Matrix? Yeah, they're all still a threat. Terrorism's good, Diego. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know how to respond to this. I mean, that's what the movie flagged is. flagged by the FBI that's, again. That's where we're at <laughs> in okay. the movie. Yes. The Wachowski yes, the sisters are saying that terrorism is fun and cool. The Wachowski sisters are saying ACAB, to which <laughs> I agree. Yeah. ACAB plus terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the other uh, uh, filmmaking inspiration and legacy... It's noted that, like, yeah, this film also inspired a lot of, like, the early 2000s superhero stuff. None of the superhero stuff I've seen mm-hmm. has this explicitly A-cab attitude. Yes. And I'm not someone who's like, yeah, all superheroes are cops. I think they are on film right now. Yes. But, like, the idea and legacy of true superheroism, superheroism, excuse me, um, is much more in line with something like The Matrix versus... Yes. Spider-Man accidentally calls a drone strike on his classmates? Yeah. Which is a thing that happened less than two years ago. What a weird movie. Yeah. Why did Tony Stark give that to him? I don't know. It's the same antagonistic premise from Winter Soldier, which we all agreed was a bad thing, and now it's a good thing? Yeah, that's the, well, that's that's Joss Whedon's fault. <laughs> no, it's Joss Whedon literally. A lot has, of things are his fault. Joss Whedon literally brought the helicarrier back in Age of Ultron, and a character says, "This is what Shield is supposed to be." Well, they become repurposed as a search and rescue operation. They're not. That doesn't make them fighting. better. They're they're not going out and fighting bad guys. It's they're just Joss rescuing people. Whedon's fault. A lot of things it's, are his fault. It's Joss Whedon's fault. I don't agree with that criticism. All right, you know what, Diego? You're right. Joss Whedon was fine and cool. No! no what I... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, so they kill all the. All right, we have to talk about. Matrix. This would be a perfect time to talk about the Columbine shooting. No! Whoa! <laughs> Let's stick to the 9-11 jokes. We can we can riff off of that because yeah, but here's it's such the a thing. crazy coincidence. Here's the thing. They wore okay. trench coats at the Columbine I, shooting. No, this is true. They, you're, they, you're, they, you're correct. This movie is released the month of the Columbine shooting. It's people say Columbine Matrix caused Columbine. 
That's how dangerous this movie still was. <laughs> that there were kids shooting up their school and they looked like they were in the Matrix. So that's just I just I just wanted to make clear how much the Wachowskis had their finger on the pulse. Yeah, but I don't know if that's how you want to have your finger on the pulse. Hey, I don't know, man. <laughs> I I think I think you're right. They they're very insightful into the world this we live is, in. This movie it came out at the perfect time, which is even though it's a, a, the month of I'm gonna because it was such a like it it kept making money when it was the theaters and it was a huge DVD hit. I'm going to consider Matrix post-Columbine. It's okay. post-Columbine pre-9-11, which is the only time you can get away with. Actually, terrorism is cool as shit. And I think that's why the, uh, the sequels are a little weak sauce in that department. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not showing my cards yet. The, they uh, there's a significantly less uh, cops deaths in the sequels. That is true. And this that one, is it's what like say. they're you're, they're straight up fighting, just you know, just a helicopter crew on a roof mm-hmm. and kickboxing them to death. <laughs> and, and then Trinity gets to shoot a federal this. agent in the head. Boom. Yeah. In maybe the single coolest shot of someone holding a gun ever. <laughs> that's, been, that's been talked about recently. Um, well, they're correct. Whoever brought it up, <laughs> that might be the best one. It's like that and Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, yeah. If only a live action thing could just recreate that, you know? No. If only, you know. Then we could take it seriously. No. Not to have another digression but someone did reference that like yeah you know cowboy bebop if you're gonna make it in live action don't make it like a comic book cartoon make it like the matrix hard-boiled john woo films yeah and like fallen angels from one car wide Here, here's like, here's a crazy <laughs> suggestion or michael mann films those that's the yeah. vibe you need those four things i just described here's a crazy suggestion maybe use the influences that influence the original cowboy bebop yeah, but didn't you hear the showrunners? They didn't see it as a strictly political show. Yeah. And they thought the future looked kind of fun to live in. These people are these are the people that are allowed to write shows. They, these are people I, I like all right, I don't want to get up too much on the hate train. But the no, people we, that we can we can start we can use this to kind of correlate how some people don't view the Matrix as an explicitly political story yeah. either. Yeah. All right, and the next scene after they rescue Morpheus, they're all going away in the in they're using the telephone to fucking disappear, and the homeless man turns into an agent because homelessness is the system functioning as intended. Damn, that was that's good. It's exactly what happens. Exactly. It's not even like it's not subtext; it's text. <laughs> yeah. And I would say a lot of, even, like, stuff I really love now, a lot of it, even if it has, like, a an angry political bone in its body, tends to be strictly subtext, yeah. not so much text. It's hard and to get away with that it's stuff fine. today. And it's, it's, no, it is. It is totally. This isn't even a criticism. It's just something I'm noting, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
But like I think it's the thing if, like... the sequels a little bit. I'm willing to bet if The Matrix maybe had come out just, e- like, even if it was delayed by, like, a month or two, it might have been forced to lose some of its bite because of the Columbine High School Massacre. And I think... So what, school shootings ruin it for everyone. What, what I'm, I'm saying is, like, we this country is so fucking stupid because something like the Columbine High School Massacre happens and we want to act like there's nothing political related to it, you know? Yeah, like, how often do you hear, like, senators on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. say, like, oh, let's not politicize this, let's yeah. just mourn the tragedy. And it's like, well, we're mourning, like, every week now, so yeah. maybe politicize everything. Yeah. Maybe we should have politicized the Oklahoma City bombing, a bombing that was committed by anti-government white supremacists, you know? Which, how many, how, when did you hear about the Oklahoma City bombing, and then when did you know the people who committed it were white supremacists? Well, I just discovered they were white supremacists. Jesus, really? Yeah. Fuck. See, I did, this is yeah, why. like right now at this yeah. very moment. I knew well, about thanks the Oklahoma City bombing, but like, yeah. Th- thanks for illustrating my point entirely. You yeah, know? Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, a little ashamed. Not really gonna take entirely the blame on that one though. Mm-hmm. No, no I'm not. I'm not mad blame. at you. It's you were just illustrating the point. And, oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know. One of the Columbine kids was, like, very openly into Nazis. Like, all his friends talked about it. Wonder if that had something to do with it. You know? And I don't want to get too into the Columbine thing just because there's a lot of controversy about what motivated the Columbine killings. Um, it's a very inflammatory discussion. But uh, there's a lot of uh, Nazi stuff on record for one of those kids. I'm not going to say he was a Nazi, but I am going to say that for some reason he was very fascinated with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And then he shot up his school after he failed to blow it up because the kid was an idiot. <clears throat> I want That's one thing I wish more people understood about Columbine is that they were idiots. Um, they, and that's something, uh, like, quite frankly, that not only needs to be discussed more, but like it—that's a through line that you don't even have to point out a lot and of the if you time. Wanna, if you want to talk about uh, how fucked this country is, um, I typed in Columbine High School Massacre to uh, uh, Wikipedia just so I can get on the right page. The first lines of the Wikipedia article are, are you know, in quotes: "Columbine Massacre redirects here for the 1927 labor violence." See Columbine Mine Massacre, which, hey, we all know the Columbine shooting. We all know the Oklahoma City bombing. How come we don't know about the time Pinkertons just fucking opened fire on labor protesters? Hmm. How come we don't teach the coal wars in schools? An event that lasted for fucking 40 years. Hmm. Do we ever think about that? That maybe some aspects of our institutions perpetuate these things in a manner that becomes cyclical because it's profitable for them. Yes. Who knows? Who knows? And if you rock the boat too much, then you get labeled as as a bad person. Mm. Or as some people used to call it, blacklisting. Mm. That was a thing that occurred less than half a century ago. We, we have talked about cancel culture more in the last three years 
than we have talked about blacklisting in the entire 20th century. <laughs> and blacklisting was a real thing that happened. It wasn't cancel culture, mm-hmm. which is... I'm not going to say cancel culture is a made-up thing, but it is not blacklisting. And you should really read up on what blacklisting was and what it did. Here's here's how much I, I, I want to give like attention to that topic. I hate Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. The fact that his Desilu Productions film is about the near blacklisting of America's sweetheart at the time. Mm-hmm. I have to commend a little bit. I don't trust him to make that film work and I will never watch it. Yeah. But I do think it's worth well, drawing take, attention to. He's going to take the very neoliberal approach, which is like blacklisting's crazy. People should be allowed to believe what they believe, you know, mm-hmm. which is what every movie about the blacklist boils down to. And it's like, no, 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 dude. The blacklisting was a very specific targeted event against labor movements. Mm-hmm. Like, it was targeted. It was orchestrated. It was planned out. It was not It was not just hysteria. It tapped into a hysteria, but it was planned out. And Ronald Reagan fucking named names, motherfucker. And then he became fucking president. And we don't talk about that a lot. We don't talk about how Ronald Reagan was directly an informant to the CIA. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah, it does. Which is why, frankly, I think so many... Like, and hey, and hey, uh, I, you know what? Sorry, I, but no, I, no, go ahead, go I, ahead. I would feel uncomfortable not bringing it up now. Uh, pay attention to what's happening with uh, how we are labeling things pornography that are very explicitly uh, gay and trans texts. Pay attention to that happening right now. If we're going to talk about uh, a seminal work by two trans women that is a trans narrative... I think it's important we pay attention to what's happening right now. And pay attention if we start having a new, I'm not going to say blacklist, but if we start attacking stuff for being pornography, when it is very much an exploration of identity, which is probably the most important thing to explore right now in our country. Pay attention to that. I don't, I don't mean to go like really sour right here, but no, it, it's important. That, it, that's what the Matrix is about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, not just the subject you're talking about, but like that's that's what this whole thing is about, and I think it's why we were so kind of excited to talk about it because it's more than just like the Matrix being like this fucking masterpiece film. Yeah. It also a, gives us like a lot of avenues to talk about stuff. Yeah, it's cool as shit, and like every time you watch it, you can kind of like get recentered about how fucked up the world is. Yeah. In a good I mean, way. Like, in a good way. Like Yeah, yeah, cuz like, you know, like even like I I haven't been tweeting a lot about like political stuff. Everyone knows where I stand on on topics at this mm-hmm. point. I am very far away from right leaning. Yeah. <laughs> is what I will say because if I keep tweeting about politics, not only will I lose my mind and continuously lose follows, I will basically just be screaming into a void. But every once in a while it's nice to just kind of look at something and be like, "Hey, it's okay to get angry about fucked up shit mm-hmm. just just make sure you like use that energy productively to kind of, yeah. yeah yeah productively and to not lose yourself not just to like to, to make yourself feel better but to actively like allow yourself yeah. to live a happy life because you like deserve that too yeah yeah apart from all this shit you know like we, we talked about dune recently and denis villeneuve i noted 
said, this film is a call of action to the youth. And, like, I believe that he believes that, and I, I kind of agree with that with that film. Mm. I think The Matrix has been doing that, like, for two decades now, yes. frankly. Well, it's it's the sad thing where, like, we'll get into the sequels where this, like, all the conversation about the sequels are, like, like, I mean, a little bit, like, they sucked. Like, that's kind of, like, what every point about the Matrix sequels boiled down to. Yeah, Matrix it, Revolutions it, is rocking, like, a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, we, we so. will talk about our opinions on it when we get to it. But because that's the only talking point, it has robbed the Matrix of political agency. And it has made it, it when that's, if you read the Matrix sequels through a political lens, they make a lot of sense. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And because we, we somehow want to believe that art isn't political or should always be above political, and if it is political, it should always be subtle, uh, we, 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 discount political readings of films and that's a problem and again i'm not saying like if, it's one thing where like you can when you talk about the matrix when you talk about the politics of the sequels you can still come away from the sequel not liking it but we need to have discussions about the politics of it because it's important at least to normalize it um, i think that's kind of a good point to end off and not just because we're running up to two and a half hours i gotta we, i gotta say one more thing though yeah, yeah, go ahead. And then I have one last thing. Which as is, well. uh, of course, the last action's great. I love uh, that old lady turning into Agent Smith. That's uh, so fucking. The knife throwing everything. Yeah. That's, that shit, it just fucking rolls. Yeah. Um, all that stuff's great. I love him just, like, flexing and the whole world bends around him. Uh, mm-hmm. When he's doing the, like, slow mo fight with Smith after he's become the one. Yeah. Um, which is just no. outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that he blows him up. Um, and then they're being attacked by the Sentinels. We didn't really talk about the Sentinels and stuff like that, but I guess we can save those. Um, they're going to launch the MP. And then uh, True Love's Kiss Wakes Sleeping Beauty. Yep. Which is which is exactly how this movie ends. And also, that's kind of the key to all the Wachowski stuff. Yeah. Rallying calls against authority and, and evil institutions that are controlling your identity. Mm-hmm. But also that loving each other is like worth fighting for. Yeah. So it's great shit. It's it's great. Yeah, just sincerity is like a like a real thing. Yeah. And it's like and sincerity. It, it's a sincerity. Thing. I think what you should all stay from the Matrix is that like this is a deeply sincere movie where like knives are getting thrown into people's faces and shit. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, sincerity does not mean like the weird, like kind of like soft aesthetic that a lot of people latch onto these days. You know? Yeah. Not knocking that aesthetic; it has its place. Yeah, you know, it, like I mean, we're both fans of Paddington too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a G-rated family film that mm-hmm. has its place. So does every violent scene in The Matrix against authority. Yeah, is exactly. What I'll say. <laughs> you can you can be sincere and also, you know, maybe show a darker side of things a little bit you know mm-hmm. maybe have a bit of an edge to you that yeah. they're not mutually exclusive things exactly let's um, keep choice words here just for both our sakes right. but yes i agree the matrix the matrix is I was five really billion stars out of five i'm really excited to do this i'm glad we did it i'm glad we went two and a half hours i am too well um, i mean some of it's gonna get cut because we took a break in the middle there yeah. but yes I'm, I, um, I'm glad i i we i could totally go we could totally do a four hour one on these 
I think uh, we could do like a five hour one yeah, we the could first probably Matrix just keep alone. Going. We we've barely scratched the surface, but there's so much more out there that is better and probably said smarter than us. Yeah, um, uh, one of my favorites recently, and I shared it with you, Matt, but I want to shout it out here too. Sophie from Mars had a really good mm-hmm. like uh, deconstruction, reconstruction take on the Matrix trilogy, and uh, she said why you should watch Matrix Part Two and Three together as one film. Mm-hmm. And why maybe the fourth film is really more of a conclusion. We'll see. But we'll, we, we will see. It, it's very, like, investigative. That being uh, said, we film. are doing uh, two and three together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, not just because of that video, which, again, I, I really enjoyed. But uh, we're, we're kind of on a time crunch before yeah. Matrix 4. We're also not going to do the Animatrix. No, it will be discussed a little bit, well, though. We will have to. Yeah, we, there's a lot, actually, to talk about next time, which is also probably why we're talking a lot about the, the political stuff now. Is the Animatrix on HBO Max? It is. Right, I recommend right. revisiting it before our next recording. Because I don't own it, and I, I would always have to watch, like, the individual stories on, like, Daily Motion or some shit. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I saw it through weird methods, too, at first. We'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about that next time. Um, but yes... Uh, watch that. Maybe uh, for the listeners out there and also you, Matt, check out the Enter the Matrix video game cutscenes. I, I, I own Enter the Matrix. Okay, maybe if you have time for a replay, maybe <laughs> give that a shot. Absolutely not. The game sucks, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, it sucks, but we've all played it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... God, um, it's, it's just, it's so weird. I mean, like going back to the matrix um that like we're like next the next episode more so than this will be about just how there was a time where the matrix was just fucking everywhere mm-hmm. like and it's crazy to think about now yeah like, and how maybe it also stopped appearing everywhere hey who knows who, who knows? knows who knows i'm sure we'll have a lot of opinions yes there are a lot of opinions about things but until then matt where can everyone else see your opinions on everything else including the matrix online i'm at emperor otn1 at twitter.com and i'm sure i'll link to other things if they ever fucking happen (laughs) all right and you could find me at the diego crespo on twitter check out the waffle press on twitter instagram youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon get Actually, you can't get early access to anything else because we're kind of doing these like right as they come out. Yeah, they're out. just they're just gonna be flying. Yeah, out. so that, sorry. there you go. Sorry, Dan Doherty. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Dan. Um, check out the Christmas special that Gene and I are doing with our buddy Brandon. Uh, we're we're just making it a tradition that Brandon's gonna swing by the regular podcast hangouts to just hang out with us and talk about Venom every year now. So <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, no Christmas very... Chronicles uh, three, unfortunately. Or maybe uh, fortunately. <laughs> I mean, hey, it depends yeah. on what they did with it. Um, and uh, are we gonna do the new Spider-Man? I don't want to do it in theaters, frankly. Um, I'm just gonna be honest. We're gonna because I got a bet going. We're so. gonna. Uh, um, we will. We will discuss it at some point. Um, just to uh, turn off the dark. But we're gonna. I, you know, maybe we should do turn off the dark. That'd be kind of um, fun. We could do that, but I also I do think we will discuss it but we're we're gonna put it off as long as possible <laughs> mm. i think that's what it's gonna be um so because i'm not reminding anyone that it's even in theaters right now give so, it a week and they'll remind you <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it's gonna be so yeah. 
um hey now yeah uh, thanks for listening everyone thanks for watching uh we have been professionally unprofessional i was gonna try to think of a matrix quote to i was trying to think of a joey thing. pants thing to say ignorance is bliss god that steak looks so fucking good it, I don't. I'm oh, on a like now. I'm so. It's hungry. like, yeah, I would fucking betray all my friends for that goddamn steak. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me I get to have the perfect steak? <laughs> we have been professionally unprofessional. Bye. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye bye. Oh, what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself.